Hello and welcome to part two of episode 12 of the Death Tour But Metal podcast. Welcome, part two of the Existential Crisis special for the end of the year. Yes, indeed. My name is Gary Grimm. And I am Tane. Welcome. I hope you all like liked part one i guess you did if you're if if you're back to hear part two yeah uh well i mean either that or you just want to see us crash and burn out of interest after that sure morbid curiosity gets the better of all of us at times i suppose if you if you're listening uh for the first time and this is the first time you're listening maybe go back to the episode before this one uh part one of the existential crisis uh, special yeah or of course you can be one of those people who starts a series halfway through so as they don't understand it and then never touches it again but that's all right i think even if you did listen to the last part you're not going to understand much of what we have to say anyway <laughs> uh so what we have coming up for you in this episode what are we starting off with Tane? well actually um this is part of the episode where you guys get to actually feature a bit more. We spoke to a lot of you. We had a a live video event. We invited fans and and, uh, regular DTABM club goers to have their say. And I guess, well, you'll hear that very shortly. Yeah, we're going to do like a best of edit because the the video, the recording of uh, that video... Ended up being almost two and a half hours long. Uh, So we're just going to do some of the best um, comments and questions and um, our answers to those and kind of edit that into a nice, neat little package for yeah. you. Yeah, but it's also nice because it was uh, our first chance to actually get some, some Skype calls uh, and a bit more interaction with you guys, which we really liked. And hopefully that'll be a bit more of a bit more of a feature in the future as well yeah we're definitely going to do stuff like that again uh after that we've got an interview with the one and only chris marrick of marrick media now this guy is an absolute uh, workhorse in the uh metal scene he does pr for a bunch of different uh, international big name uh, metal record labels such as uh prosthetic season of mist uh metal blade a whole bunch more yeah a whole shitload more like i was actually stunned when I found out the amount of labels that Chris looks after. Yeah, he does a lot of work with local bands and the international bands as well. Uh, last time Judas Priest came out here, he was on the road with them, looking after them while they're in Australia. Pretty uh, fucking epic. Yeah, so he's got some cool stories and he's got some good advice for us as well. Yeah, and uh, after that, we've also uh, we've kind of got the counterpart to an interview we did in part one as well uh, with David Sinclair Smith, who had the satanic perspective. And we kind of have the the mirror of that uh, with uh, the Reverend Vaughn Smith. <laughs> yeah. Or minister, but yeah, reverend. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he doesn't like the name. He doesn't like being called a reverend. He's a Presbyterian minister. And um, he's going to give us some advice about Death Tour About Metal from the christian perspective but uh also he'll tell us exactly why we're going to hell yeah which uh i was definitely excited to find out about but sure it's it's good to know these things just so you know when you end up there it's like how why yeah you don't even have to wait 
waste that breath in the afterlife it's fine yeah do you have to breathe in the afterlife um, probably like farts or yeah something something gross i don't know the smell outside of the golden fang restaurant uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna pretend that i can say what happens to us after we die we'll leave that for the interview <laughs> <laughs> and just religion in general but sick burn there <laughs> so but we are gonna have some music uh like we always do gary what are we gonna be listening to first well the first thing we got coming up uh it's a one-man band uh from sydney uh goes by the name convulsing it's one uh, brendan sloan who uh it's his uh, songwriting that goes into convulsing uh he is a member of the band dumb saint uh he brought out this convulsing uh release it's called errata and we're going to listen to a track from that called severed hemispheres well, let's sever some hemispheres and get started enjoy
guess we should start this thing. I guess so. There's... Yep. Okay. There's four people. Let's start. Hello. Okay, Welcome to the Deaf Talk About Metal live video event. If you're watching us right now, we can't see who's watching us, so say hello in the comments. Hi. <laughs> Hi, audience. We're, we're here to interview you today. Yeah, or you're kind of here to interview us as well, actually. Yeah, a bit of both. Yeah, this is our chance. We've been talking about it. Obviously, we've set up the event. Uh, we're doing a special little two-part episode. This is going to be for the second part, and this is your chance to tell us uh, what you think about the club, if you think we should keep going, uh, or just, you know, have a chat. Hi, hi Nat. Hi, Nat. <laughs> uh, hi, Daniel. Don't frown, Daniel. It's okay. We're it's not... okay. We're here. Yeah. Hi, Maz. <laughs> Hi, Sabrina. Good morning. Yes. In the UK, it's it's the morning, but uh, right here, it's in the evening. Uh, yes, so we're here about uh, Deaf Torba Metal. This is for the podcast. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Razzle. Uh, Daniel's smiling now rather than frowning. That's yeah. good, because it's a time to smile, not frown. No frowning. So we're here about Deaf Torba Metal. Uh, should Deaf Torba Metal keep going? Should we just call it quits because we're pieces of sh human shit? Yeah, we're terribly equipped <laughs> to do anything. Uh, should we uh, change things up? Should we do things differently? Do you have any advice for us? Do you think... S start commenting on the video or you can uh, call us on Skype. I think we're the only deaf tour but metal on Skype. So if we get Skype calls, we can... Uh, Start, um... uh, Sabrina says, no, don't stop. <laughs> She's begging us. Seth Arcane says, keep going, guys. It's refreshing to have live and local. Thank you, Seth, uh, Synth. Uh, that we appreciate that. Uh, Josh says you need to continue as penance for your many <laughs> sins. Uh, when you listen to this podcast episode, especially the first part of this episode, y you'll see what Josh is talking about. <laughs> it's uh, it's been very interesting, and we don't want to give away too many spoilers. Uh, especially because by the time you listen to the podcast, you would have already heard a lot of this as well. Yeah, exactly. But uh, for some of the people who might know us, we might have mentioned a few things. Um, if you're at this point in the episode, obviously we've talked about uh, going through people from many different walks of life. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. And uh, we also kind of think that this is a good way of doing it because it's not in person. Sometimes it's easier to type something uh, that you're thinking and we're not going to be mad uh, or anything like that if you think it's bad or if you think we could uh, do things better we want to hear from the public we want to hear from you guys who actually come to the shows we want to hear from you guys who might listen to the podcast but you might be from a different country or you might be outside of Sydney <laughs> also though oh what's what is in the mysterious orange liquid <laughs> this is a uh, vodka and orange juice Daniel and uh, I'm, we are definitely not sponsored by anyone or supported by anyone except, fortunately, our partners and maybe a couple of other people. So, if just Vodka in general wants to sponsor us, that's great. Synth's 
Arcane says that we need that NBN powered by Satan. Oh, uh, fucking tell me about it. In a city and we have such a terrible internet connection. <laughs> Our good friend Michael Luders, who uh, runs the Metal United Down Under uh, Festival, which if you haven't heard of it, it's, just go on to Google. Keep watching us, obviously. Mm. But uh, go on to Google, check it out. Uh, it's great. But uh, Michael Luders says that we should keep going. And he throws up the horns. Thanks, dude. That We appreciate that from you as well, because um, for those of you who don't know Michael Luders, he's a very, very hardworking promoter. He is. Uh, you should check out uh, Metal Ruse, his website as well, if you haven't. Uh, a lot of good content, a lot of good information about uh, Australian bands on there mm-hmm. that you're going to want to check out. And a lot of international news as well, which is great. Yeah. Hey, uh, Synth Arcane, I know you're watching. Uh, have you been to Death Door But Metal before? I've seen you around on Facebook. How do you upkeep your lush beards? That's from Maz. A <laughs> uh, little bit of shampoo every now and again. You just use shampoo? Spray. Yeah, nothing else. Maybe conditioner if I'm feeling um, especially kind of, you know, feel like I really want to be pretty. I, I'd say a little bit of argan oil. A little bit of argan oil. I find that works really well. Argan oil. Uh, I use shampoos with argan oil, and um, that tends to work pretty well, actually. I mean, uh, look. I mean, look at the strength in here. It's, uh, you know, that's a that's a strong beard. The, oh. the strength of Tane's beard, though, before we get to that, the strength of Tane's beard isn't to do with argan oil. It's just all the matted cum in there. <laughs> Uh, it gives the strength. <laughs> Daniel Res, uh, sorry, Daniel Respol. Sorry if I pronounce your last name wrong, Daniel. Uh, Daniel Respol says, "Any reflection on the Sydney scene over the past year? Now that 2016 is at a close, uh, that's a good question. Thank you for asking." Uh, yeah, it's been for us personally. I can only talk for us personally. Uh, I mean, I've been to gigs uh, that other people have put on, but personally for us, it's had a lot of ups and downs. Some lineups that I thought would get a lot of people uh, coming to see us didn't uh, bear a lot of fruit, whereas uh, some lineups we got quite a good turnout. So. Mm. I think people are a bit picky, maybe, with uh, the bands that they come see. We're trying to uh, be receptive to that, and mm. we're trying to uh, put on more interesting bands. That when when we started Death Tour About Metal, we wanted to make it so that you could come and see a band that perhaps you haven't seen before. Mm. Uh, I think a good example of that. Uh, is the uh, Black Mass Christmas gig that we have coming up. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of solid, solid bands playing there, but perhaps with not much of a following. Uh, So we wanted to put them on and um, expose you guys to them. Uh, Thanks for the question, Daniel. Yeah. We've got another one. Tane, if you want to read that out. Uh, From Sabrina. Uh, Hi, Sabrina. Um, So each of you, you're in charge of managing your ideal metal band. Who would be in it? 
That's a really fucking good question. And that's something I really wish I had more time to think about. Uh, but I'd say off the top of my head... Wait, wait, wait. Before... We just have to clarify before we answer that, Sabrina. Uh, do Can they be alive or dead? Ooh. Is it of all time or is it current? Type quickly so we're not stalling. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I- I'm going to go like a, re- a realistic one as... Um, you know, who knows? One well, let's day, do maybe. both. Let's, yeah, sure. Let's do both. Okay, so I'd say uh, definitely uh, after seeing them last night with Baroness, um, Pete Adams, the guitarist. Oh, both. Both. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. I love Pete Adams from Thanks. Baroness. I think he's a fucking amazing guitarist, an amazing writer, and he brings an excellent energy. I'd say probably uh, Johnny Kelly on drums from Typo Negative and Danzig. Uh, solid also like that same kind of uh, that mix of uh, humor and and good energy and sort of deep darkness kind of stuff Uh, now that I know that I can have someone dead uh, it's really hard to just not put typo negative together in a band (laughs) I mean Pete Steele is a vocalist he is my all-time favorite vocalist definitely we're both big typo negative fans and you can see in the background there Tane's painting of Pete Steele from Typo Negative. Yeah, that's one of mine. Since since we started DTM, DTABM, I've not had much time to do much painting, unfortunately. Uh, but um, who else do I need? Well, I mean, Pete would probably be on bass as well, I'm afraid. Although, yeah. I don't know, maybe John Entwistle, the Ox from The Who, is probably one of my all-time favorites sure. as well. Uh, the Calm in the Middle of the Storm. You can't forget uh, Les Claypool. Yes, uh, true, true. Not really a metal bassist. Justin uh, Chancellor, as much as people have mixed feelings about Tool and especially uh, Maynard's treatment of fans, Justin Chancellor is definitely one of my favorites. Solid. Uh, vocals, the the vocalist from Revenge, uh, oh, the Canadian yeah. band Revenge, mm. he just puts everything in there. He is a filthy, filthy <laughs> man. Uh, let's see. Jesus. Uh if if we could go back in time, Chris Barnes on those first four Cannibal Corpse albums, those vocals just do it for me every time. I think mainly because uh, those first four Cannibal Corpse albums were a big uh, introduction to the extreme metal scene for me. So, yeah, that's definitely something. Drummers, maybe Hellhammer mm, from, from Mayhem. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Lombardo, Gene Hoagland. It's going to be like a veritable slipknot, except good. I would love to have... Um, I didn't just say that on the podcast. <laughs> I would love to uh, have Matt Pike on guitar and vocals for someone who's alive, though. I think uh, he's just one of the fucking... Those rare beasts, with the emphasis on beast, who's just fucking lived the life, and it channels it perfectly. But yeah, thanks for the question, Sabrina. I hope we answered it. Our guitarist, uh, Dimebag. Oh, uh, Dimebag Day. It's Dimebag Day today, everyone. It is Dimebag Day today, so... Let's have a drink. Let's raise a glass for Dime. Cheers to cheers to Dimebag. <laughs> Nat says I shouldn't mention Slipknot. I promise I won't do that again unless it's really funny. I, uh, my very first... Also, oh, Nat... Uh, in the best possible scenario, what do you want DTABM to achieve? What is the pinnacle you guys imagine? Oh, boy. That... Thank you, Nat. That is a really good question. Um, 
Well, something that we've not <laughs> talked about is the reason we started DTABM. Uh, sure, I can talk about that a little bit. Yeah, not. and that, that's kind of... Starting DTABM was kind of like a dry run, I suppose, perhaps, for, for what Gary had in mind initially. We, we talked about it a little bit. Uh, Sabrina, who's been commenting on this video, uh, she did an interview of, with us. Uh, before I go on, I just want to uh, congratulate Cynthia Kane on his pun. He said, slip knot of the tongue. Very good. We like a good pun. We like a good pun here. If you've got good puns, <laughs> comment below. Uh, so I'd been to Europe a couple of times. I came back realizing that there is... I went to Europe and the UK, and the, I realized that the the metal bars over there are great, and the metal scene over here could use something like that. So I wanted to start a bar. Uh, it's still a dream, where it's not like certain bars that only do rock and metal on a Sunday, for example. And then the rest of the week, they're really hipster, playing Fleetwood Mac, you know, boring stuff. There's not wrong with Fleetwood Mac. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to be a rock slash metal bar, just yeah. fucking rock. It's something or, that we've never really seen here, to be honest. Like, Yeah. And so that's what I wanted to do. And a couple of friends of mine who were involved in Death Toll about metal at the beginning, uh, Seth and Anna, uh, said... Uh, that perhaps I should start out with uh, promoting some live shows and putting some bands on and see how I go with that and then maybe working my way up to owning a bar. So, look, we've been doing that for a while. Maybe the, it's time for the next step. I don't think it's time for the next step. Not just yet. We're still, we've got a lot to learn. This, this is what this is about. I mean, I guess uh, really quickly, personally as well, I'm just... um. You know, uh, like Gary, I'm part of the same reason. We we just want to be able to share and, and take part in our community. I'd love to use it as a vehicle for when I have time and resources sorted out, doing more painting and having, you know, making that more of a part of it. I do the posters, obviously. Um, Seth, who we were just talking about, actually did our, uh, our logo, which we're still using, even though Seth uh, doesn't really have the time to be part of it these days. Yeah, he's a very busy tattoo artist. Uh, if you're looking for some uh, black uh, dot uh, dot work or um, geometric tribal stuff. geometric stuff. Yeah, that's a, a speciality of his. Look up Seth Arcane. Uh, yeah. He's working at Authentic Inc. Uh, studio in Sydney, and he's really worth checking out. Yeah. Um, uh, do you want to take the next one, Gary? Yeah, let's move on from that. Daniel Respol says, uh, favorite international release this year. We're going to actually do another episode before the end of the year with all of our uh, favorite releases. Yeah, because there's a lot. I mean, this is our first full year of doing DTABM, and, which means this is probably the year we've listened to the most music we've ever fucking listened to. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> man. Me especially. I, I do a lot of the research for the podcast, mm. the music that we play, and every week I listen to at least, I don't know, maybe 50 releases it's a lot of stuff i mean we we do use uh bandcamp a lot as a resource obviously we use a lot of other metal 
uh, news sites to see what new releases are coming out. Yeah. There, there's some other really great ones. There's some that, unfortunately, have dropped off the radar, radar or aren't as good these days. But there's, I mean, there are a lot of people doing similar things in different countries. But uh, to get to the question... <laughs> yes. Before we blather on too much... Uh, I'll, I'll say a handful of the ones that, uh, stand out just off the top of my head. Mm. Uh, Cult de Ghoul, uh, Coven. Mm. That, oh, yeah. That album is amazing. Yeah. If you haven't heard it yet. And if you even have a passing interest in black metal, check out Cult de Ghoul. Mm. Uh, that album, Coven, is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'd also, also say, uh, Erfaust, uh, Empty Space Meditations, I think it's called. Mm. That album stands out. Uh, Rebel Wizard. Oh, well, that's a local one. Yeah, but that's... Uh, Rebel Wizard is definitely up there for me as well. Uh, an amazing local guy from Melbourne. Uh, one man project, but um, yes. easily stands up uh, to international level. Uh, actually just got featured by Metal Sucks and uh, I think was second place in uh, Emperor Rhombus's list. Yes, which yes. Is fucking amazing so congratulations rebel wizard as well i hope uh, i hope you're watching or listening to this podcast rebel wizard because <laughs> I, I i've had a bit of interaction with him uh and he seems like a really nice dude mm. so um thanks thanks for your support i uh as far as international ones for me i've been making a list and i'm still very much going through it like i said there's just so much but uh very quickly uh, Sumerlands, uh, which is a very interesting, uh, it's a relapse release, uh, a lot in common with a lot of early relapse kind of sounds, but mixed with, uh, maybe like eighties Ozzy Osbourne, uh, sounds. I really, really am enjoying that album quite a lot. Uh, Triangle by Shamash, yeah. uh, is definitely in my top list as well. If you've not heard it, check it out. Uh, uh we will talk about these more though as well. Yeah, there's, there's heaps more. We're going to do an episode about that, so we'll get to it then. Mm. I'd probably, before we uh, get off that topic, I'd say Thy Catafalque. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. That's another amazing, amazing album. album. Mm. You'll see. Yeah. Keep uh, Stay tuned to the podcast. Keep your eye out on the Facebook page. Uh, Sabrina asks what would we would call the bar. Uh, look, I'm going to say it now. I haven't told many people uh what i'd call the metal bar that we'd have just because so no one steals it so i'm gonna say it now and for posterity it's on the video the name that i came up with the bar i came up with a lot of puns the name that i stuck with and that i would go forward with is uh adam fisher has just written in saying hey lads just came across this Fish from Headboy here. Just wanted to say, keep going. Any metal discussion, promotion is wanted, especially promoting Australian metal. Awesome. Uh, we uh, had a fucking blast coming. Uh, a bit more. Uh, coming we- over for Metal United. Just wanted to say cheers for the pics and vids you posted from the, the night, as well as the promotion you guys gave it. Keep it up, lads. Well, thanks so Adam, much, Fish. Fish. Thank you so much. Uh, you have to come and play at Deft Orbit Metal because your what your set was a standout of Metal United. It was one of my favorites of the whole night. I enjoyed that very much. And oh, oh, we're getting a a Skype contact. But Fish, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your kind words. 
Okay, we've got a Skype. Let's. Uh, oh yeah, we're just gonna change the microphone settings. So if we feel, if we sound weird, 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 uh, that's why. That's why. So <laughs> here we go. Let's uh, let's contact. Let's contact Nat and see what she has to say. But again, thank you, Fish. Thank you, Sabrina. Keep the questions coming, even though we're talking on Skype. Uh, Nat, we've been trying to call you on Skype. It's not going through. If you want to try to call us, then uh, give us a call. Daniel Mustaine from, uh, Reva. from Reva says, Keep going. You bring us all great opportunity, and you guys are the best guys to put on a show in Sydney. Dude, thank D- you so much. Daniel, fuck, man. I appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And if you haven't checked out Reva yet, if they're playing anywhere near you, it doesn't matter what event it is. It doesn't have to be a Death Dog Metal event. It could be any event. Yeah. If you get a chance to see Reva live, and I saw them Saturday just past at time of this recording. Uh, yeah, Fenrir's uh, first well, return gig, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Reva packed out that room, and for good reason, because... They're one of the best up-and-coming bands in Ooh. Sydney. We're getting a call now on Skype. If you just press that one. Hello. Hello. Can you see us, Nat? Are you there? Can you hear? Oh, it's it's cutting yes. out. There she is. Hello. Hi, Nat. How are you? <laughs> this is uh, Natriz. Uh, you might have heard her DJ playlists at the club before. Uh, Natriz specializes in, uh, spinning the tunes while playing Black Metal Twister, which is, uh, if you've never been to the club, do come and check it out. We're going to be doing it for Black Mass Xmas, but, uh, Nat is our lady of the hour at that time. (laughs) Can you turn up your microphone a little bit, Nat, so we can all hear you? Or, or put it closer to your mouth so we can hear you. Just, uh, the video's not coming across on the live feed, but the audio is... There we are. That's good. Hi, Nat. Is that better? That's much yeah. better. Great. So, do you have a question for us? Or a comment? Really. <laughs> I asked my question before. You kind of answered that. I'm just giving more support. Oh. Um, okay, here's a question. Okay. As promoters, you're offering something to the community. Mm-hmm. What do you like the community to give back, ideally? I mean, obviously, attendance would be one thing, but, you know, like, what do you expect also from the scene? What do you, yeah. So, f- for the live that video... Weird? Sorry if it's strange. That, that's a great question. Thank you. For the live video, just in case you couldn't hear the Skype call, uh, Nat just asked um, uh, what we would like the live metal community to give back to us Uh as a result of our gigs, as a result of the Deaf Talk About Metal Club. I'd say just as long as everyone has a good time, has fun, gets drunk, headbangs, enjoys the bands, finds someone new, uh, and just gets invigorated about metal even more so than they already are, then that would be a plus for us, mm. you know? I'd, I'd say, um, I think... Part of the reason that I really love doing it is a chance to drop pretensions and drop uh, preconceptions about uh, other metalheads and and the scene. And, you know, it's not all about, like, turning up, not talking to anyone and being tough. It's it's about meeting people. It's about uh, creating new opportunities, be 
be you just uh, an enthusiast uh, or if you if you play an instrument you've got a chance to meet other musicians uh, but also it's it's just about seeing the other people who are in the area who share things that you love you know it's like I was talking um, talking to someone about this uh, earlier in the week and it's like you could be talking to James Hetfield from Metallica uh, and you I know could. Well, you could. Well, maybe. But, um, and you might be so intimidated and you might think he's at another level or, you know, anyone else from any other band if you're not a Metallica fan. Uh, but the thing is, you're both metalheads and are both bands that you love and you have something that to sort of bring you onto even ground. And I think this doing the club is a great way to have even ground. It's a good answer. Even though the, the views are dropping off after Tain started talking. That, uh, uh, uh. The, the listens in, <laughs> in real life drop off when, uh, when I start talking. So that's okay. But thank you so much for the question, Nat. Thanks, Nat. Do you have anything else that you want to say before you go? Um, I think that no, what you're doing is always, there's always going to be a level of it being an uphill battle. Yep. But I think also in that in itself, when you achieve those high points, don't don't forget the little steps. Don't forget the small achievements because it's so easy to be overwhelmed by the losses and the hardships. But anything that's worth achieving, it's a, a slow uphill battle. Of course. But the more you push and the more you continue to climb, the higher you'll achieve. The- so... The, the slow s- steps are still important. The little baby steps are still important to getting to the bigger steps. It's something that's easy and to forget, too. Yeah, yeah. It's totally easy to be overwhelmed by losses or, like, hard stuff or roadblocks. Just keep in mind that there are obviously people out there that appreciate what you keep what you're doing and i think really the sydney scene needs people like you guys doing what you do so excellent thank you so much nat thank you so much nat uh we're gonna take the next question i guess thanks Uh, we're gonna we're gonna disconnect and we'll go to the next caller if there are any see ya catch up bye so uh, uh, we've got Daniel Mustaine here again. Uh, again. No, it's not oh. Daniel Mustaine. Oh, it's, it's Phil. Phil. It's Phil, Phil McDermott from. Uh, he, he was on the last episode of the Death Talk Metal Podcast, episode eleven. Uh, he says, "Hey guys, Phil here. If you guys call it quits, I'll come to Tane's house and use his identity to continue putting on shows." <laughs> and then all one word, Death Tour but metal will never die. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you so much, You're Phil. You're a fucking legend. Reva rules. Please don't break into my house and kill me to do that. Uh, but I'll let you know in advance if that ever if there was a risk of that happening. Look, I won't stop you. But thank you. Thank you for your kind words. As long as you preserve a beautiful skin mask of me and wear it at the gig, then that's okay. Uh, Maz says that what Nat said was well said. Uh, she asks, what has been your biggest challenge and biggest success with Death Tour But Metal? Hmm. Uh, biggest success, I'd say Scrounge Waves up there. Mm. Uh, we had a good turnout for that. Uh, yeah, it was. I think um, that's probably up there for me as well because uh, the bands all enjoyed it. We had a great turnout. Um, and because it was kind of our first, first really big showing, besides the opening, which was very strong and that was very encouraging. Uh, but to see something where we were getting a band like, uh, like Darker Half 
uh, who are a band we respect greatly. Uh, yeah, or Whiskey Smell or Diminish the Gods or any of the bands that played that gig. Uh, yeah, it was a good time. We had a good turnout. That was good. Low points. Just when we get like a, a nothing. Do you want to close the yeah, window? Yeah, close the window. <laughs> Just sometimes we get a very kind of weak turnout or um, it's hard to get bands to come on the bill for some reason. I don't know who they've been talking to or what they think about what we're doing or if they just can't play the show, but that can be disheartening at times. Hence the whole reason for this episode, really. And sometimes we do understand that, um, you know, bands do want to do something and then life things or honestly, sometimes better opportunities come up. Uh, we do understand that. And a lot of bands who haven't been able to make it, uh, the first time we've asked have come back and, uh, we've been very thankful and they've enjoyed it, I think, which is great. But, uh, uh, we've got some other questions here as well. Uh, Evan from the voice of chaos podcast. Ah, yeah. Uh, if you don't know them, if you're on SoundCloud, just uh, go to search bar and search uh, voice of chaos. I'm pretty sure they're the only ones. Uh, Evan says you've done extremely well in your, sorry, another question came up. You've done extremely well in your first year, guys. Don't lose faith. Thank you, Evan. Thanks so much. We're going to keep with it. I could say the same about Voice of Chaos. They've done some some really big things. They're now uh, international in the sense that they're part of a, I think it's an American uh, radio show. And they do a segment for that where they talk about Australian metal. So keep up that good work. I've listened to a couple of those episodes and I really enjoyed them. Mm. Uh, Will Magnuson from Decryptus. Uh, Will Magnuson says, hey guys, Will from Decryptus here. Also want to say a huge thanks for having us on uh, Metal United Down Under. No worries. Thank thanks you, for Will. coming. Was a was a great night. I try and catch your show as much as I can. It's a good place to find new bands to check out. Cheers. Cheers, Will. Cheers. Will, if you haven't heard Decryptus yet, f- fucking check them out as well, yeah. alongside Reva. Uh Again, another standout of the Metal United gig. Mm. Uh, I was at the front headbanging the whole time to their set, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. We've got a uh, Def Talk About Metal regular here. Uh, yeah, this is John Barry Collis. Hey, John, how you going? Uh, you... Uh, sorry, man. I'm, gonna, I'm just trying to get all of your message up, and Facebook is giving me shit. That's okay. One second. Here we here go. We okay, cool. So, John asks or says... What Nad said was spot on. Uh, you guys have built something from nothing, and what is something that is? Uh, a small, the small achievements amount to bigger and better ones. So don't give up now. From the days of upstairs and into the now depths of hell in the basement of DTABM. Yeah. Uh, uh, DTABM has brought so much, so many metalheads and others alike to unite as one. Keep up the great work, boys, and keep on keeping metal. John Barry Collis. Thanks so much, John. Thank You've you much. You've been there since the start as well, and we appreciate it. Like, uh, there's a, a handful of regulars who've, who've been coming to almost every show, and you guys keep it going, you know? Like, even if we do have quiet nights, we see we see a lot of the same people, and it's it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Uh, our regulars, we, we love our regulars so much. Uh, we love their requests that they make from the DJs. We try to fulfill them as much as possible, although sometimes that's not 
possible. We've got a big couple of libraries of music. Like uh, Gary and I listen to a lot of different stuff. Uh, but one thing, when we're live, we don't have an internet connection. So yeah, yeah. But the cool thing is the requests uh, keep us in check with new stuff that we hadn't heard before, perhaps, or and- maybe stuff that we had heard before, but it's maybe lacking from our catalog. So we know what to download. We know what to uh, legally purchase. Legally purchase for the next uh, show. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, John. Uh, Fish is back with us. Uh, he said, "Thoughts on why as passionate and awesome the local metal scenes are, uh, with the amount of amazing Australian metal bands are there, uh, there are going around. Why is the scene not bigger? That's a good question. That's a really interesting point. And I think a lot of people have, I guess you can only comment on what you see. And I mean, we're lucky that we do see a lot because we do, obviously we talk to a lot of bands. Um, we're in contact with a lot of people doing the podcast. And I think everyone does have a, a slightly different answer. And I think to sort of put it down into a nutshell is uh, as much as metalheads uh, do embrace so much of, uh, of the scene that they love in some ways, uh, you'll often find that there are still subgenre groups that really kind of stick to the same venues, stick to the same crowds, see the same bands. Not that I'm saying they see the same band every weekend and won't go out to anything else, but I mean, especially in Sydney, I would say a lot of the people you see at, say, Blackwire Records when they do uh, gigs, which is a great place, and I go to a lot of things, and they do a mix of, like, uh, Sludge and Doom, but they do a lot of punk stuff as well, you will very, very rarely see those people at other shows, unless it's a particular kind of international show. You might see them at a Neurosis show, but you're probably never going to see them at, say, a Cannibal Corpse show. That's part of it. I think, like Tane was saying, the, the crowd is a little bit fickle. Uh, but I'd also go on to say that I could be wrong. Uh, this is just from my experience, but perhaps the bands are a little fickle as well. I remember a time back when I was younger when bands just wanted to play gigs and no matter what, no matter what the writer was or no matter how much they were getting paid or what the accommodation was or whatever the fuck, as long as they were playing a metal show, then that's all they wanted. They wanted to get the the music out there, and they did it. Um, that seems to have died off a little bit. There's a lot less bands that jump in vans and travel mm. to to do gigs. There are bands like uh, Skinpin and Offensive Behemoth. Uh, and Miasma, who played at Death yeah. by Metal, they did that whole tour in the in a van. They're from. Uh, Northern Territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Marshall says, "Damn fucking right." Thanks, Zach. <laughs> but uh, I think the um, the reality of those days. I think a lot of metalheads who might even be too young to have even really seen these days, and to an extent, even I am. I'm 31, and I didn't really see this. A lot of, uh, to be honest, a lot of venues have closed. A lot of regional pubs aren't doing music as much, and are relying on things like pokies or or bistros or restaurants and they're not doing music now places have built up slowly which means venues have closed uh, on the outskirts of sydney and so bands i still find sometimes have this uh this kind of pie in the sky idea that they can pick and choose 
uh, and unless you are doing large tours and covering a lot of ground, uh, the reality is I don't think a lot of people can do that. You do have bands like The Plague that will play a lot and work their asses off. Yeah, I The think Plague, that works for Gods them. of Eden. Like, yeah, a lot yeah. of those bands that just get out there and play every gig they can. Reva is another very good fine point. example of that. Yeah, uh, fuck yeah. And uh, good on them. But... Uh, yeah, bands have to not be scared to travel out there. They got to remember that they're playing in metal in Australia. Mm. Uh, there's not a lot of money in that, uh, so you want to expand your fan base. And you, by doing that, it's not playing at the same venue every week mm. uh, until eternity. You have to go out to Newcastle, Wollongong, Canberra melbourne and the outskirts of uh victoria and brisbane and hell even perth even you know northern territory south australia there's a lot of great bands that you could uh make a really good bill with there's a lot of for example really good uh black metal bands coming out of south australia Mm. uh you could have an awesome show with a whole bunch of locals and then you you could be the touring band, you know? Yeah. You come in and uh, that's not something that the locals are going to see every week, so they're going to show up, you know? It's interesting as well. Um, you know, I haven't been playing in active bands uh, for a while now, for a few years, and um, it's it's kind of interesting because when I started, this sounds like I'm such a fogey, but it was kind of the start of the digital age where bands were actually starting to use even just MySpace and whatnot to network, to line up gigs... Uh, to just find new people who might be in the next town or or in a place where they want to tour and start lining stuff up. But it was still very much, um, I think, uh, the old-fashioned DIY attitude that punk still does a lot of, but I think a lot of metalheads don't seem to utilize it quite so much. They think that they can that they can do these things just by lining stuff up online or, or expand their fan base online. And certainly it does work with some bands. I mean, like, uh, God, like, uh, Nabla Viscaris, uh, I think are probably a good example of a band that have toured a lot, but have also appealed online for getting funding just to, to tour and record things like that. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. I don't know. Uh, but F- fish gets back to us though. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he says, uh, good points. I guess I'm saying punk and hardcore bands seem to draw more kids than metal bands in Adelaide. Anyway, that's an interesting, that's point. a good point. Uh, you'll notice what we were saying about, um, bands, not getting in the van and touring as much. Uh, look at punk and hardcore bands. They get in the van uh, as Henry Rollins called his book about getting in the van with Black Flag and traveling around. The uh, Australian edition was Get in the Fucking Van, Cunt. Get in the Fucking Van, okay. Well, look, okay, so Maz. I want to be able to spring out of here in a, at a moment's notice. So, so Maz, you're, <laughs> you are, for, for um, regardless of choice, you kind of are a woman in the metal scene. Uh, because you are at so many gigs, whether you're... I wasn't, uh, by the way, I wasn't trying to sort of segue myself in. No, 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 no. <laughs> but we, we, we really want to hear. And honestly, I think a lot of listeners would want to hear. I mean, we, we've seen uh, we've seen Betty and we've seen Nat and we've seen Paula and, uh, and Sabrina, obviously. So, I mean, it, it is... It's funny because we say that, you know, for every one woman in metal, there's ten guys, but... 
We're and very lucky that we have a healthy mix in our local scene, definitely. And please, if you're a woman or you identify as a woman and you're listening to us right now and you haven't commented yet, please leave a comment below. Yeah. Well, from my perspective, um, I think having been involved in the goth scene and um, the metal scene, um, you guys are creating what I would see as a safer space than any I've ever seen. And that's not because you have lots of women, because there are a lot of women, but there's the majority are men. But it's because you guys aren't pretentious and you're just, you don't have an ego. And that's the thing that I think puts off a lot of women, maybe. I can't speak for all women. No, sure. Well, but one... I think you guys, like I said, you've created a safe space. And also, you know, for, um, I don't know, LGBT. Um, I, if there are any um, that come to the club, I think, we've uh, had I think a couple. there are. And yeah, and it's um w- one thing that I would definitely like to ask you as someone who's been involved uh, and, and someone who, you know, has, has seen a variety of it. We, we often have um, uh, burlesque acts uh, at the club. Yeah. And uh, some people would see it as objectifying objectifying women i would say the performers definitely don't because that's why they do it exactly Uh, but um i definitely know that i've talked to people who do have certain issues with it which and you know on on their personal uh opinions that's fine because that's their opinion but what would you say about that um well i i love burlesque i think it's a it's a really valid um I don't know. Um, it's a really valid uh, thing. Um, however, I don't know if burlesque is the problem. Some people's reaction to it is the problem, not necessarily burlesque itself, but some people's reaction to it, treating it like a strip show or whatever. That's an when it, it, That's point. not what it is. Mm. Um, but even if it was, maybe you wouldn't act like that. I don't know. So, but, that, I mean, that's not necessarily in this specific uh, instance, but... Definitely from what I've seen in the past, that some guys can act like, you know, not in it's, a good way. It, it's true. Like, I, I would say definitely um, sometimes with um, performers that we've had uh, live, that for the most part, I think that they, they've enjoyed it because uh, we, we've had them come back or they've had a good response. And they're just fucking good people they as are. well. They are very totally. good. Betty Bandit is a fucking awesome, awesome <laughs> chick. She's awesome. Betty Betty is one woman. of our regulars. She's an awesome woman. So. Yeah. So, But anyway, I mean, thank you. Thank you all for taking part. Thanks um, for watching. And hopefully, if we don't see you in person, uh, we'll catch you the next live video. If you're uh, if you're not anywhere close, otherwise, keep listening. I hope you enjoy. We'll catch you soon. Thanks for all the advice. Uh, keep listening for the podcast that this is going to be part of. Mm. And uh, if you're listening to episode 12 right now, thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you so much for being part of this, guys. And hopefully we'll see you at the club soon or online soon. Cool.
So Tane and I are here now, or here over Skype, uh, with the one and only uh, Chris Marrick of Marrick Media. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank you for having me on this ridiculously hot evening. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't hot until we we got on the video chat with you, Chris. (laughs) They warmed up nicely. (laughs) I know, my makeup's running though, it's embarrassing, but... Uh, what's new? Anyway, <laughs> so I have to get off the phone with you fellas. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Chris, you're you're a man that wears many hats in your field of work, so to speak. How how would you describe what you do for the listeners? Uh, professional bullshit artist is what it says on my business card. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's my job to tell people about bands, whether they're releasing an album. Uh, coming for a tour or any anything new videos as, yeah, as a publicist it's like i will deal with the band or the promoter or the record label and just basically get the word out via press releases social media posts whatever that's kind of the overall arc the umbrella of, of what i do underneath that is 50 million different things of how you do it and a lot of that is just some of it doesn't even actually require any of that. It's just keeping up relations with the media, you know, so you can make sure that you're getting your stuff out there as well. Yeah. So pretty much um, tours, album, promotion. That's what it is. Right. Awesome. In the shortest possible answer. So, I mean, how long have you been doing this now? I mean, how did you start getting into this? Uh, the, the short sort of long answer, because I've been doing it for so long now, it's probably nearly <laughs> 20 years. Yeah, well. Uh, I was always into music as a kid you know i was doing sound at school plays and all that sort of stuff um marketing and communication at university led to a job at channel 10. Mm-hmm. Nice. that was my first real job i might have worked retail with music forever as a kid but my first real job was publicist at channel 10 oh. uh, and i was there for several years at piedmont um and from there it was always like uh i had started to look after the music shows yeah, that were on at the time um, because that's where I wanted to eventually go. I didn't really – I liked TV. I loved it. But I could see where it was going and that pretty much the month after I left Channel 10, Big Brother happened. So I got oh. out of there just in time. <laughs> oh, that is good timing. Yeah, I, yeah. I knew it was coming because I, you know, I kind of helped freaking set it up. Uh, um, but, yeah, basically it so went from Channel point. 10 uh, to Sony – Universal, EMI, Riot, Merrick Media, in that order. Holy so it was shit. several years at each, um, always doing the same thing. So like from Sony, uh, from Sony got me from Channel 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for there, I spent three years basically working 100-hour weeks on the road with bands um, as artist relations. So like all of – and it's such a different landscape now than what it was at, you know, in 2000 where – there was Channel V at Fox Studios. There was radio stations. There was all this on-ground promo that I could do. Mm-hmm. That's just not there anymore. You know, like I would even do like Nickelodeon TV in North Sydney and all this sort of stuff with no bands because they wanted it. You know, for content. So I would be, I would plan it all ahead, and then when the band would have rock into town, I would take them to those sort of things. And oftentimes you would end up with three or four bands in a day mm-hmm. working with them. Like I keep. You pick one band up in the airport in the morning uh, from wherever, international or domestic, take them straight to Triple M or Two Day FM, do a radio interview there, take them to something else, uh, maybe drop in HMV, head office, do an acoustic performance with them, which I did with like Good Charlotte when it was just the two of them and no one knew who they were. <laughs> um, probably could have ended it there. Um, <laughs> it would have been for then, the best. You know, drop them off with somebody else because something else is happening, pick up another band, take them to afternoon session here. 
all culminating in a gig at the end of the night and then you've got to take somebody somewhere else after, like back to the hotel or to a late night flight mm-hmm. go home sleep for five minutes and get up and do it again Sony was incredible it was almost like the Navy SEALs of music <laughs> uh-huh. especially when you compare it to when I went to Universal and EMI which got progressively more relaxed you yeah. know by the time I got to EMI I'm like you know going in with the freaking warrior thing and they're like hey just whoa you know like I'm like, no, no, fuck them. We're going to go and kill it. We're going to do this. And we're you know, like, relax, man. I was like, you know, no, this is why you're third. it's amazing to hear that you know like especially uh sony a lot of people i mean gary and i know now from working with apra for so long that they're they're sort of generally much more kind of poppy acts uh not quite so extreme not so much metal uh so it's interesting that that prepared you for for a lot more uh for working with extreme bands but working yeah. with bands extremely did that. So well, it, it kind of taught me like what it did because you know you, I literally worked with. I was instrumental in helping Delta get off the ground. You know, I worked with little rap guys. I did Fifty Cent for God's sake. You know, like all and more bands that I've forgotten than I can remember. Um, you know, Snow Patrol and you know Killing Heidi wanted me to be their manager at one point. And all of these these bands and you know from Bruce Springsteen and, and Anastasia and J Lo and all of these. So you're dealing with managements and particulars and people who, you know, there's no room for error because they don't like fuck-ups there at that level, you know. So mm-hmm. by the time I got to, you know, and it was metal bands there. The first one I ever worked was Mudvayne, actually. Like, I, right. I think that just started saying I was maybe about a month in and LD50 came out and, you know, there's Chad with his stupid blue beard. <laughs> you know, like, and it was System of a Down and uh, and Slipknot even. Um, you know, so there was always heavy bands around Sony and then Universal. When I was at Universal, uh, I worked on Sananga. That was my main thing right. when oh. I was there. Um, EMI, not so much. They had, you know, Maiden was nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um but it didn't really matter. I wasn't at EMI for, for all that long because um, I, I just had enough of the same. It was the same stuff, mm-hmm. different company. Um, and by the time I got to Riot, you know, like I, you know, I took that company from being a distributor with and put a major label mindset to metal mm-hmm. and, and set it on the path, you know. It was like, why should this be just looked down upon or forgotten or not even interested? Like I would pitch to media the same way I would pitch you know, a top 40 album. So what do you mean you don't know soil work? Whatever, you know, and <laughs> it, I think it kind of, it, it, you know, this is before Unified, this is kind of, you know, in 2005, six, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned people back around to it and instead of metal being just these bunch of dicks over here. Mm. And it was like, oh, okay, there, there's more to it than what we thought. So, you know, I feel that I was kind of very much responsible for pushing it into, you know, mainstream media. Well, mainstream music media, anyway. And, yeah. and for that, we thank you. <laughs> so, so, so speaking of your um, your history, uh, we just want to talk about some of the highs and lows in your long and illustrious career. I mean, what have been some of your favorite artists to work with? Uh, you don't have to name names, but what have some, been some of the craziest or hardest rock star moments you've had to deal with? Stuff like that. Um. This is why they say give you the questions beforehand so you can prepare. (laughs) Yeah, as I said before, and it's not being an asshole about it, but there's probably more bands I've forgotten than ones that I remember because there literally is so many. I mean, this year, today, I clicked over 600 interviews, organizing interviews for this year. 
Wow. Just for a so, wow. And I noticed if I took it back, because every year I keep a record, an Excel sheet, and, and I think since I started keeping records, which is, this is the 10th year, mm-hmm. it's nearly 7,000 interviews that I've organized for bands. Jesus. It's like, I think the peak was 2012, which was my last year at Riot. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 982 or some crazy number like that. We're just throwing phones out everywhere. Not wow. that that's what I remember, but that's just showing you that there's that many bands that are doing that many things. Um, obviously, the highlight, well, up until this year, I had a highlight, which was working and meeting Metallica, which was mm. kind of the reason I got into everything, you know, nice. like they were my boys, you know, like they all were, you know, Black Album came out when I was in year nine in 91 and mm. fucking Jason Newstead was my idol. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he wasn't there on the Snake Tour. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I got to I got to meet those guys. Uh, kind of, I very rarely fanboy out, but I did in front of Lars, and it kind of didn't go over very well. Oh wow! Uh, uh, because you know, don't forget to, and I found out later, like this is right in you know because you've seen some kind of monster. What uh, happened to them around right. that? They were in turmoil, and he was shit. He was going through a divorce. And some kid from a record label goes, man, you and Stephen Adler are the reason I play drums. And he's like, yeah, good for you. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, you know, he was, he was kind of cool about it, but I found out much later because he had an assistant. And, you know, this is how rock and roll that year was. It was like, it was big day out at Metallica when they played twice. So you remember? Mm-hmm. There was two big day outs. The second one was just a paper Metallica. <laughs> but I had like bands like Thursday, Black Eyed Peas were here as well. Yeah, right. So like that whole week is kind of like party week. So I'd already done stuff with Metallica. They'd had their entertainment center side show. And I'm on a boat in Middle Harbor with the Black Eyed Peas and the two cool dudes from that band start jumping off the boat, swimming around. And no one had Cosic. So I'm literally in my boxes. I've got a photo of me next to Fergie and I'm wearing my boxes because I'm swimming <laughs> um, You're probably not, not the, the only one. The call, it's like, you've got to go now, which I knew I had to. But I, had, I got a water taxi with Michael Koppel all the way back to Circular Quay, got off. Matt Lars, took him to Rosie Beaton at Triple J, and I was like, and there's a photo of me there. You know, I had just been in the swimming with Black Eyed Peas, so, and now I'm with Metallica. So all of that kind of rock and roll shit is cool. Um, working with Toto was pretty amazing too because they're genuinely nice guys, and Steve Lukather is just like a freaking guitar god. Yeah, uh, wow. And I loved it. He doesn't take any shit. Like we had some interviews and of course commercial radio they're like oh so tell us about african rosanna and he goes you do realize that this band has played over a thousand albums and mm. we have more than two songs if i can ask me a question you know yeah uh, which says a lot about the radio industry here when they don't pay attention so yeah those two from 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 the past uh and this year of course probably the highlight was my well-documented bike ride from london to download congratulations uh, by the way that was amazing yeah that was great that was amazing and uh hopefully your finances are okay i'll do it again next year because they're all telling me like i'm friends with a lot of those guys you know when you're a brotherhood obviously for doing something that hard you mm. forge it on even though for, for the whole time you're riding by yourself you know like you spread out over 10 miles yeah. um probably and for the yeah it's you're in your own world of fucking pain when you're doing that mm-hmm. and your bum never gets used to the seat for the whole three days <laughs> um but they're like man next year's gonna be the best one you've got to come back it's like well not only do i have to raise the uh the charity money i've got to raise my own money to go so yeah of course. Uh, but of course you know that i uh i met bruce dickinson uh, on the uh, final night of download because uh i was with oliver halfen who's the son of the well-respected ross halfen 
photographer and, and Oliver's an amazing photographer in his own right and I was staying 40 miles away in Nottingham and I was trying to figure out how to get there and he's like my car's on site let's go before because Maiden was playing and they, they locked down the site mm. you can't leave uh, until they get out so it was like we left early and his car was on site and they were staying at the East Midlands airport mm-hmm. so I turned up there and I've got combat boots and mud up to my knees um in this hotel which is a faster hotel which maiden management crew and a whole bunch of other hobnobs are at mm. and since their hotel they can go and shower and i can't mm. so i'm down in the foyer caked in mud and i'm like man i can't i just look like some ringing dude you know yeah. <laughs> i got a hotel key off off, off my friend and, and, and basically destroyed his bath with my shoes for the next half an hour um getting all the mud off him and then i'm walking around the friggin foyer of that hotel barefoot <laughs> and I'm actually friends with Bruce Dickinson's son, Austin, because mm. he's been in a couple of bands that uh, I've worked with. So I was chatting to him for, for ages, and then Bruce just comes over and joins his son for a beer who happens to be talking to me. Wow. And it's like, there you go. So, you know, and it almost felt shit really bad to ask for the photo, but how can you not? Yeah, because yeah. we were talking for for ages. Mm. And I was like, you know, this is, this is just, this is Bruce his dad not Bruce Dickinson I made him man yeah 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 and of course just a guy just a guy at a bar and that's what he looked like he looked like if he wasn't in maybe he'd be coming to fix your sink in the morning just <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was amazing and then I was like oh you know I, I really hate to do this but I got her you know can I have a photo and I said yeah sure and that was like one in the morning wow so yeah there's some of the highs too many to mention some of the lows I mean nothing crushing um I mean, there was a, a jazz singer lady who was just an utter bitch to me, mm. even though, you know, like a long time ago, like it was a promo trip for her. I'd given up my Sunday. We're at the ABC studios. This is before Ultimo was a bit of a hipster place. It was just nothing. Sure. Get me some, get me some coffee. It's like, it's Sunday and there's nothing around. Yeah. Um, yeah, even the cafeteria downstairs is closed. I found some freaking instant and she threw it at me and I was like Whoa. I'm trying to help you here I'm, you're here on a promo trip for your album and you're giving me shit yeah uh, um, and you know you kind of just got to suck it up too because you go back to the boss and they're like well they're the artist it's like that doesn't mean they have to be an asshole yeah totally you know? well Sharon Jones and, is dead now luckily so. those things are, I mean they're obviously few and far between for me to remember that yeah that's cool well, that's I, good it's awesome to hear that in general I mean obviously you. I'm guessing you wouldn't be doing it if it was shit yeah. all the time but no I mean, well you know it's not so much artists a lot of it is dealing with frustrations of dealing with the other people yeah. like bu- bureaucracy kind of stuff you mean bureaucracy ego it's a massively right. ego driven business um you know and then just the frustration and the waiting you know like you've got to send a message you've got to, you're trying to lock in phones over here and obviously your important your high importance thing is not someone else's high importance thing right. so Right. You know, you've got to wait until, like, especially if it's, and I appreciate it, but if a band's on the road and you're half a world away and they're dealing with their, their right now, mm. they don't really care about phoners for two weeks' time, but I do. Yeah, sure. And I'm trying to lock in shit, and, and someone else from a management company who might be in the middle, like in New York, is demanding answers, and it's like, well, I need this guy to reply to me so I can reply to them and then reply to you. Mm. So it's, it's and, and that's ongoing. That's just part of it. That's just the stresses of it, but it it does wear you down it's like I'm ready to chuck it in on Friday for the rest of the year it's like usually I work Christmas Eve you know and then mm-hmm. kind of this year it's like fuck this I'm I'm over it the, you know I just, I just need to stop for a bit you know there's been a lot of touring action the last few months 
you know, I've already started working on stuff for next year anyway, but it's like, you know, the world's not going to stop if I stop for two years. <laughs> the curse of 2016, yeah. man. It's yeah. been uh, wearing a lot of people down. Yeah. That's it is, sure. yeah. It's interesting to hear it. Like, um, obviously, you're dealing with uh, international bands and have for a long time. And even at that level, it doesn't get any easier. It's just more and more work. But you do it because you love it, I guess. But speaking of um, uh, working with international artists, which obviously you have a lot, um, how would you compare to uh, working with Australian artists, which obviously you have been as well in the last year or two, uh, specifically? We've seen a lot of bands like um, Well Neighbor Viscaris. Yeah, um, uh, Damon Pyre, I think Gods of Eden, uh, you had a hand King Parrot. I've got it long. And then, you know, there's a lot of independent bands that hire me as well. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> some. Um, and, you know, it's all good to believe in yourself, but some of them have, you know, some far-fetched, unrealistic expectations of what you can do, sure. especially with the time constraints and the money constraints and just our market, you know, like yeah. not everyone can be a King Barrett, not everyone can be even like a Parkway or something like that. That's why they, those bands are what they are. Mm. Uh, I guess the main difference is the organisational level. A lot of these bands, even very you know, very small club level bands in America or you know European bands still have a better sense of organization than a lot of Aussie bands do. Yeah. They seem to think I'm in a band, I've hired a PR guy, my problems are solved. Right. Okay, I'm not a booker, I'm not your manager. You know, you've booked a run of shows, but you know, putting a Facebook flyer up there and that's it doesn't doesn't produce results. <laughs> sure. You know, like and, and you know, I can you know, you can get the word out but it's just it's like, you know, you know yourself, your Facebook feed never ends. Mm-hmm. That's true. Instagram brands, and it's like, so why why should your gig fly stick out more than that one? You know, yeah. and and I'm always trying to champion local people going to local shows, especially if there isn't an international headliner on it. Just go see fucking local bands, mm. three or four of them, because you know if you keep doing that, like there's one band, there's uh, Black Reno, the band they're from, they're Stoner band from Northern Beaches. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they're very you know, very good. Talking about. Yeah, we were just talking about it. And it's like, you know, we've, we've done our Sydney show. It's like, well, you, know, you haven't. There's, you know, I remember being a uni student in the mid-90s and a band could tour 20 different shows in the greater Sydney area and call it a tour. Yeah. And I'm not a play to the same person twice. Yeah. The bands, they can't just go and do a show at the Stag and call it a Sydney tour. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's the Northern Beaches. There's Manly. There's the city. There's the Parramatta. There's the Central Coast, there's Wollongong, there's Campbelltown, there's Fairfield. You could go and put a pub gig on everywhere mm-hmm. and play 20, 25 shows, you know, over a three-month period. And the only way, and that is probably what's going to work because there might be some crossover. So some guy might go, oh, I saw them at, at Sutherland and he might tell his mate at Hurstville mm. who might then go to that show or, you know, and that's how you build it. You can't just go... Uh, 60 people came to see us at the stag and, and that's that's the city crowd that's <laughs> lazy do you think that's, um i know, I know that the, you know that your band is limited by playing gigs on the weekend because they got a they got jobs sure. but you should be playing every week you know like i hate there's nothing more than i hate when they go oh you're saturating the market because you've played two shows in six weeks get fucked <laughs> you should be playing two shows every week you know like go up to the gear in a consumer, you know, there's, hey, there's yeah. endless, endless gigs, you know, and, and if you have, you know, as long as you can, within reason, two hours from your home, you could, you could drive home after a gig, sure. reasonably, mm-hmm. up to Newcastle and to Canberra and play everywhere in between and just keep going at it. Like King Parrot played fucking 
regional Victoria all the time, you know. Mm. And I remember it was a pop punk bank or something with numbers. My mate was their sound guy, NTM. They played 200 shows in Australia in one year. That's fucking impressive. It's, you know, it's they, not they didn't done. have jobs to go to, but they, it's possible. And they got mm. a massive regional following. You can't just play Cap City and, and, and say you're done. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not just a coincidence that bands like King Parrot and the more popular bands do that kind of thing. They'll go play sydney but they also play wollongong newcastle canberra and everywhere in between uh and get their name out there get get more fans that way so it's it's interesting you also can't expect people from the west to travel into the city all the time that's why like places like panthers and rudy hill are so like getting Mm -hmm. all of those nostalgia acts you know, or, you know, King Wilds of this world and all that sort of stuff because that's where the people are, you know. It's like mm. no one is 25, you know, any, anyone. If they've worked all day. They're not going to get on a train or a drive or from St Mary's to, to Stag to watch a local band. Go to them. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. Exactly. Uh, anyway, for someone who's been working in so many varied facets of the industry as long as you have, have there ever been any kind of moment of doubt? Like, uh, has there ever been a moment where you just wanted to throw in the towel and become a handyman? Or if you have had those kind of moments, do you still have them? And how do you how do you overcome them? All the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's surprising because it's not. Yeah, it is. Oh, I'm, yeah, oh, I'm shit on it but it's it's an awesome gig you know it's mm, and it's sure. not really a job it's part of my life i'm sitting at home right now it's integrated with my life so much that i'm like i couldn't separate this i did when i came back like when i left emi in 2005 i took off to europe for three months just to clear my head of all of it did you know i ran into mates in bands i ran into in flames and the eiffel tower and they're like come to a <laughs> show in paris tonight and it's like i don't fucking want to i, I just i don't <laughs> want anything to do with music yeah at all i need break and it's amazing um and now it's yeah it's, it's it's just when i came back from that i was i was working at my wife's job working at a, a sunglass warehouse mm. when i was just doing part-time at riot before it got to full-time and having that that thing where it's like a real job and then you go and do this job sucked you know yeah. like i know you know guys in bands they go and pack shells of woolies and then they go and play in their band but this for me is and with my wife's business as well it's all mm-hmm. one lifestyle yeah um and yes, you kind of get down on it and you go, yeah, fuck it, I'll, I will just go and get a job. And you're like, what sort of job can I get? <laughs> um, and that's really just because you just, you know, it's, it's easy to get fatigued you mm. know, when, when you never stop, you know, because there's always someone like right now, you know, it's nine o'clock at night and Europe has been emailed watching them pop up in the screen as I talk to you. They've been emailing <laughs> me constantly the whole time. Fuck. So. And, and then when I go to bed, America will just about have come online and all through the night, America will be pounding me and I'll wake up and I, and I can still talk to them till about lunchtime. So there's always someone, mm. you know, and even after lunchtime when international goes quiet, I'm dealing with Australia yeah. until five o'clock, six o'clock at night, then Europe gets up again. So it's, there's always, there's never like, sometimes I do very much envy both of us do because my wife has her shop and it's all her own business with those people that finish work at five o'clock it stops there. They come home, they're cracking a beer by 5.30 watching fucking The Current Affair or something like that and that's their cycle. Cheers to that. Just into a little awesome. But sometimes you're like, that would be cool. Mm. You know, but then it would drive me mad. So, I mean, and and it's, 
it's different every day, but it's the same every day. You do the same stuff all the time, but you know, there's always another band coming through doing another tour. Um, so yeah, it, it does get to you where you just go, it's relentless because I'm, yeah, I don't work for one company. I work for whoever wants to employ me. So I think at one stage earlier in the year, I had like 25 bands at once doing stuff or, and it's like, and you can't just, yeah, every one of them is as important as the other. As the other, you've sure. twenty five employees, twenty five bosses. Yeah, so you're trying to do, you're trying to put twenty five fires out at the same time, and it, and it, and go to the gym and do this, and look after your daughter, and take her to school, and all of that sort of stuff. And then you're like, fuck, I haven't picked up a book in six months just to read. Jeez, yeah. And so that's the kind of that's if anything, that's the thing. It's not like the the job shits me, and like especially when you go to download and Hellfest and you see how it works in the big bad world and it reinvigorates you and you're like yeah fuck that's that's what it is it's more just a I think especially next year you know being a freelancer you have to take on all the jobs so you can pay your bills sure but just just ease it off a little bit and get more of yes me time back I guess it's It's kind of not not forgetting the importance of downtime is probably a trick Uh, is that you mean so yeah it's kind of like yeah downtime yeah, it can't be sneezed at, and especially when you're getting a bit older, it's like, yeah, you need to slow down. Yeah, and that's gym lifting weights is not slowing down. Yeah, no, I, that's a really good point. Like I've started doing the same thing and making sure being healthy physically so that I can sleep, so that I can be productive. Like Gary is also just nonstop, even more, like much more than me for DTABM stuff. But I mean, this is this is great because this is advice that's practical. Uh, for someone who's been living it for so long. But, I mean, do you have any other advice, like, moving forward, especially for us, like, as a, as a club that we can mm. maybe use? Uh, but, you know, obviously a lot of this stuff's going to be useful for bands and, and for other promoters as well. And people looking to get into PR or media side of things, uh, advice for them as well. Because, uh, you know, you're, you're quite successful. You've obviously had to work hard to get where you are. So if there are any kind of tricks and tips, you know, pro tips. I think organization, you, you have to be organized. If you don't know what you're doing, like I said, when you were juggling 25 bands, which goes back to the Sony days as well, we had this giant whiteboard. Me, There was me and another girl who was the PR. There was a tour with artist, artist relations people. She's now the manager of Five Seconds of Summer. Mm, wow. Um, oh, okay. So we had this big whiteboard and I was green and she was red pen and we would divvy it up into eight weeks um, yeah it was eight weeks down and seven days across right so so we would know what was coming up and very rarely was that not just covered in pen you know oh, green and wow. red pen so you would know you could you know okay shit in three weeks time i can't do that because this is there because you just have to plan um you know and it's probably you know this took another shot to organize as well it's like you're trying to fit all of the you're just trying to stop this plates from spinning but you know from breaking yeah. when they're spinning so being organized is absolutely key uh having a thick skin as well because <laughs> yeah let's face it there's been, there's been a couple of goals kicked by other prs this year and you kind of go fuck i wish that was me <laughs> yeah. um but at the same time you're like going well if i took on any more work i'd just have a heart attack yeah. so you've got to be able to have a thick skin and also um, wish everybody else the best as well, but there's a fine line for, for both of those. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, like I think having that thick skin because yeah, this is an industry built on hearsay as well. Mm-hmm. All right. And I guess for bands, yeah, being organised, don't you know? There's nothing worse for me than than a blind hit up on Facebook from somebody who has requested me and then sends me the fucking like their band page immediately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've had a few of those. Sends me a message, and not even my friend. It's like we're in a thrash band. We kick ass. Want you to you know just just be a little bit more thoughtful in your approach it's like sure. uh, like a resume if you're going to reply to a job would you do it like that hey man I'll, i'm really kick-ass at being a bricklayer give me a job like that <laughs> i love that it's great i mean even with gigs we sometimes find stuff like that we do get some people that uh seriously go here's our material uh we'd love to play at your shows we- we've been looking into you but you do yeah. get there's so many people that just like here's my band page, like it, like yeah. it. And then I'm like... I... And then sometimes you go to that band page, there's, there's even there's worse. There's nothing. Page. Yeah. There's, there's a, a shitty video this, this of, your, of them at the valve. This is your broadcast to the world. Yes, music is meant to speak for itself, but, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You you unfortunately have to. Yeah, you know, right. If I, it's, band can't fucking spell. Band puts 20 paragraphs in one paragraph and doesn't break it up. I'm not going to read that. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I don't have the time to sit there and break apart and make it more readable. Just five minutes on, on your behalf to make it look a bit cleaner and a bit more presentable is going to do so much more. Because, I mean, I, exactly. I've always been the guy, like, I got breaks this is how i got my my sort of break was bob stevenson at roadrunner i was like in that uni i was working i did my own little metal show on a, on a radio station in cameltown where i grew up mm-hmm. which was called earache um <laughs> and i got a call one day from bob offering an interview at dino and Cazares from fear factory oh wow um and and i kept in contact with bob from that moment on you know and i also that was my first interaction with aj as well he was uh Going by the name of Sick MF promoter, um, <laughs> no comment. And brought out Channel Zero. Channel Zero with uh, mortality at the Phoenician Club, which doesn't even exist anymore as a building. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've known both those guys for fucking ever, and always kept in contact with them. And it was like, you know, I wasn't some guy going, "Oh yeah, man, give me fucking Dino. I loved interviews. Respectful. I was answering these questions. You know, I don't, obviously wasn't on email, and I don't even know how he would have got in contact with me. Just phone call. Yeah, wow. but so from then on I've always given some new kid that's got a radio station somewhere I've given him a shot because that's you know it's only fair you, you know I give everyone one go um, there's been more than a few that have had a few cracks at it and they're not getting any better despite you trying to help them out with a little bit more why was why won't the prick at Sony get back to me it's like well you call him a prick that's why <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know and, and you can't just go you know I've got a metal show give metal it's like I'll do that for you, mm. but also I think it's not my job to promote your show either. Mm. You know, sure. I'm giving you content for your show. Go out and especially now, like I didn't. The only way I could promote my show was flyers all over Cameltown and right. going everywhere and physically telling everyone about it. But now you've got friggin' platforms galore. Mm. A lot of them do. A lot of them don't. More than a lot of them don't. It's like you know, they've got their little radio show page but they don't go and tell everyone that there's one in Gosford or there's one in Canberra or whatever and here's our playlist and you know like just be like the racket kind of thing you know like <laughs> put your playlist up you tag the bands and there's that interaction between them as well because sometimes you know you don't need 
the PR in between. Mm. You know, you do when they get to a certain level and you need to take it to a wider audience. So just tailor your message for your audience and be persistent, but don't be annoying when you be persistent. Just, you know, it's and also, like mind. I said, thick skin. There was a, there was a band that came to me and they were, it was just horrible, really, really bad dated stuff. I try to give them the benefit of the doubt by giving it to three key media as well. So what do you think of this? I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. And everyone came back going, this is just really, really bad. This is what's wrong with it. And it's not just me saying it's others. I basically got flipped off and, and they never never emailed me back again. And I was like, sure. well, you know, if you've got four people telling you that there's something wrong, then you know, maybe consider it a bit. It's amazing yeah, to think, soul. like, uh, you know, like, it, when it's people's art, you know, they, they they can get personal about it. Like, you know, you try and give creative criticism <clears throat> as something, I suppose, that we need to be aware of as well, even as promoters and, and people who put on gigs, you know, having that thick <clears throat> skin. Uh, it, it goes for everyone in the industry because you, you sort of, I guess, putting forward something you love. That that kind of ego side of things or that um, the kind of bands that you were just talking about, I've had to deal with a little bit of that uh, booking bands and um, dealing with the, that side of things. And yeah, I guess you're, you're totally right. A thick skin, realizing what's important and what's not is is really important. I guess it's like almost like um, you know the little kid playing soccer. Like his mum thinks he's good when he's really <laughs> so yeah. You've got that encouragement, but but honestly, if, if you if you put this band on a pedestal or, or, or this media outlet or this anything mm. as your goal, as your you know, the person that you look up to, and you want to reach that level, then look at your own product seriously or through their eyes and go, does mm. it match? Mm. It's nowhere near it. So how can you say it's like that? You know, like just be a little bit more critical of yourself mm-hmm. and say, you know, okay, I think I'm king shit, but four other people have said that I need work. Maybe yeah. I do. I need to take that little hat off and sort of go, okay, how do I get it to that level and come back and maybe ask for help? That's that's what annoyed me more than anything is like they just took it and basically told me to fuck off instead of going, okay, please help me. Not, no one's asking anyone to completely rewrite themselves. It's like a, you know, like a band in a studio fighting with a producer. It's like the band have got an idea, yeah. but the producer's got try this, and you know they're going to lock heads a few times, but in the end they both want the right or the best result. Right? Yeah. That's what you're trying to do. Mm. So just be a little bit more accepting that your vision might not be as perfect as you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard lesson to learn, but I think that's uh, that's something that uh, us and our listeners can definitely you know bear in mind and learn from in the future definitely well chris it's it's been great to get this side of the story you don't often hear uh from the behind the scenes kind of uh side of things and so we thank you for your time uh before we let you go though is there anything you want to plug or are there any final thoughts for our listeners anything like that well, there's nothing really to plug, actually. Hang on, let me have a look. Um, coming <laughs> up next year, Led Zeppelin Masters of the Opera House. That's what I'm working on. Uh, Periphery, uh, oh, Aussie cool. band, Sydney band called Flaming Wreckage that I'm working on. Ah, I've heard mm-hmm. of those guys, yeah. Uh, there'll be the Thrash Blast and Grind Festival, of course, yep. which is King uh, Carrot and, and, and uh, Revocation. Uh, and also, which I'm really looking forward to, is the Direct Underground Fest in March. Oh, which is, yes. That looks amazing. Yeah. Mgwa is going to be playing that. Mgla Mgwa, which I yeah, yeah. Love those guys. 
Yeah, uh, it's like 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 Behemoth twenty years ago. Yeah, wow, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. any any so, final uh, thoughts? Thank you very much. Um, but, you know, there's just nothing. I'm just looking forward to a, a a little bit of time off and then just start it all again. That's the thing. It always just starts up again. I mean, you know, what's that line from Shopping Young Lad? It's like stink hot at five a.m. The machine starts up again. <laughs> <laughs> it never ends, and which is which. I hope it doesn't. You know, like. We're with uh, Unified doing its thing, you know, hopefully and there is talk of an international festival coming here, but won't be next year, probably be the year after. Mm. Um, but we don't need, and I say it all the time in the column too, we don't need festivals to think we've got a metal scene. We've got a oh, pretty totally. good one Couldn't as agree we have. So, and not just, you know, the handful of Aussie bands that support the internationals. There's enough of the other ones and enough Aussie festivals. You know, Metal Ruse does the Metal United thing. Um, Stu in Perth does Storm Rider, so there's, there's <laughs> Death to Orbit Metal. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Death to Orbit Metal. Oh, <laughs> in Sydney, which I'm still going to get my ass down to. That's the problem. <laughs> well, right. tricky. You're always you, welcome, man. Yeah, you're always on the door list as well. Every every time I put your name on the door list. So, uh, yeah, anytime you're free, come on down. Well, Chris Merrick. Thank you so much for your time, your precious time. We truly appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for um, the advice and and for the listeners too. It's just been a great chat. It's been cool to have the time and the chance to do it. So I'd love to hear feedback from people if you know, like via you or directly, you know, if they've got any questions that they want to follow up on this, you're more than happy to answer them just as long as they paragraph them, maybe. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Talk, either come to us and tell us or come to Chris and just let us know what you want to know. Uh, but thanks again, Chris. And now, music.
so Gary and Tane here with uh, Vaughn Smith, who is a minister at a Presbyterian church in uh, Golgong. Uh, thanks for joining us, Vaughn. No worries, guys. It's good to be here. Uh, now, we came, or well, I came across uh, Vaughn on Facebook, on the Deaf Talk But Metal Facebook page. I put a, a, a post out there asking about experiences uh, with uh, religious people and metal, uh, if there's been any kind of uh, friction there with some of our fans and uh, with some of the more uh, fundamentalist uh, Christians out there. And Vaughn was uh, nice enough to uh, comment uh, for us, uh, Tane, do you want to read out what Vaughn said? Sure. So Vaughn, um, your comment said, uh, speaking as one who is probably the most fundamental Christian that will post on this, uh, Presbyterian minister, Calvinist, reformed Puritan reader, I reckon there's been a downturn in Christians pulling people up on listening to metal. Not because there aren't Christians out there who don't like it, but because many Christians have realized that they can't assume that society is Christian in any meaningful sense of the word anymore. Not that it ever was, mind you. Um, back in the day, when cultural values generally aligned with the Christian worldview, the biggest threat to many Christians was anything subversive or different, like metal, D&D, etc. They saw Satan working to overtone moral order and decency. These days, most Christians would probably say that Christianity is a subversive message. That was a great comment. Thanks for um, taking the time to uh, talk to us about it. Uh... No worries. You can, you can tell it kind of picked up on my two of my great loves are metal and role-playing games so. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great though you know it's uh, it's something i mean th- there's a lot of things that we'd love to ask you about that uh, i mean i we're obviously old friends vaughn and i um uh studied together many years ago but for the listeners uh we just wanted was that, to ask was that studying what we did <laughs> <laughs> good, point. Sorts. good point good point <laughs> So, so get, getting to the, the comment that you made, um, you said that you're a Presbyterian minister, a Calvinist slash reformed Puritan reader. Can, can you explain to our listeners not only what it means to be Presbyterian Calvinist and a reformed Puritan reader, but also what being a minister entails? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, a pres- Presbyterian is one of those big, fancy Christian words that we use to kind of summarize a pretty simple idea. So uh, Presbyterian church is a church that's run by a team. Uh, so uh, there's in some churches you have more of a hierarchical model where you've got a, a priest who, who makes a large amount of the decisions for the church. Uh, in the Presbyterian church, we think the best way to kind of spread the workload and keep people from making bad decisions is to to give it to a team. And so I work with a, a group of elders. Um, they're called the blokes from the church who we kind of get together once a month and talk about what's going on at the church, uh, what we can be helping people with, what we can be praying for, and uh, how we can be serving people in the congregation. Uh, so that's what a Presbyterian church really is. It's just a, a church run by a team and uh, kept accountable by each other. Hmm. A Calvinist is a, it's a funny word. Uh, it's kind of a word that was given after the Reformation, like back in the 15th, uh, sorry, 16th, 17th centuries, to people who really wanted to get back to what the Bible has to say about who God is and who people are. And uh, and the Bible really, when you kind of take it as a whole, um, shows that, that God is big and people are small. And, and so we everything that we do is to, to try and make God big in, in people's minds um, and, and 
you know the way we the way we do that um, part of what being a minister is is uh, telling people about what God's done in Jesus uh, telling people about the historical person of Jesus what he did which was live kind of a life in designed to, to save sinners uh, people like us you know the whole idea God's big we're small uh, we're broken and so Jesus died to save sinners and rose again and now calls people to put their faith in him. So basically I tell people about Jesus all the time and I get to tell people who don't know him, people who do know him. So that's kind of what it is to be a Presbyterian minister. Mm. Uh, I read the Puritans. They're a bunch of cool dudes. They, they get a real bad name. But they were really <laughs> cool. Um, they were guys living kind of in the 17th century and they, they just wanted to teach people to love God and love each other. And they had a really beautiful way of doing that. It was they kind of wrote before, before the Enlightenment, when things became quite cold and you know not uh, cold and impersonal. They wrote in a really heartwarming way, and you can read them and just get real encouraged. So yeah, that's kind of it. But yeah, they, I, I said I put that in there because it's probably pretty fundamentalist of me to to get back to the Puritans because they're the guys with the, the funny hats and the and the bonfires. Sure. <laughs> The Puritans, a great bunch of lads, but uh, <laughs> so um, so the the Presbyterian um, Church, it, it kind of uh, you kind of look to um, the writings of the uh, Presbyterians of old. It, it's more of like a a literal uh, interpretation of the Bible rather than like parables and and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's so the. It's treating the Bible as, well, it's two things. So we treat it first as God's word. And so we, we say, this has all come from God. And so we want to hear what God has to say. Uh, but it also treats it as a, as a historical document. So you read any book and you work out what kind of book it is. You know, if it's a, a science fiction book, you won't be using it to work out how to use your microwave. Um, you, so you, you kind of go to the genre, you work out what, what the book is trying to say as whole, and then you then you apply it to yourself. So I use a, at church, I use the example of the Ikea catalogue. You know, the dude at the beginning of the Ikea catalogue, you could kind of come to the Ikea catalogue, uh, Ikea instructions, sorry, and go, this dude, this is a story about a man who uh, finds all these flat pieces of wood, puts them all together, and he's really happy at the end. Uh, and it's not, it's, it's an instruction manual. Uh, and so you've got to learn how to, to read the Bible properly. You don't just kind of go to a random verse and go, okay, well, this says, you know, there is no God, and so therefore there mustn't be a God. You actually go, well, what is it in context? Mm. What's, the, what's the whole book trying to say? And, right. and so, yeah, there are parables in the Bible. There are images. There are books that are com- completely made up of pictures, like uh, Book of Revelation, like, I don't know if you guys have read that. That's awesome. I love Revelation. Sli- slightly familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be- being uh, metalheads, I think we're, we're yeah, somewhat like, familiar. Like <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but then there's like books full of songs. There's a book about sex. There's a book about uh, just how horrible it is to live under God's judgment. There's all this kind of stuff. Mm. And you've just got to, yeah, there's, there's irresponsible reading of the Bible. And then there's responsible reading. And to be responsible, you kind of got to hold it together and, and, and find out what the whole book is trying to tell you or what each individual book among the 66 within the Bible is trying to tell you. Right, yeah. right. Oh, very cool. Well, uh... But yes, sorry, going back to your original question. Yeah, we do. The, the Presbyterian Church kind of holds a bit more of a conservative view on theological and 
social issues. Right. The cool thing about us is we're confessional. Like if you guys want to know what we believe, it's all written down. So you can find the Westminster Confession of Faith. Mm-hmm. That's what we believe. And that's that's what if you go into a Presbyterian church, if they're a good one, that's what they should be teaching. Right. Just one of the reasons going to Presbyterian. So that's your IKEA manual, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> to be a minister, I've got to say, yep, yeah, this is this is what I believe. You know, if I don't, then I don't become a Presbyterian minister, I can go somewhere else. Yeah, sure. Wow. So I mean, uh, besides being a minister, you weren't always a minister. Uh, oh. and in fact many years ago, uh, both of us played in a metal band in Sydney together. Uh, <laughs> could um could you please tell us days. It's yeah, <laughs> there were great days. There were really great days. But Tom, um, could could you tell us all uh, what was the catalyst for how your life changed? And was there was there any conflict in transitioning from that life to to your new one? Or, or was it more a return to your roots? Yeah, it was kind of kind of a return to my roots. I um my family always went to church every week and they always told me about Jesus and the Bible and stuff like that. So I had a real background in it. Mm. Uh, I, but I think from probably mid high school, I was pretty convinced that it wasn't for me. I was pretty much happy to go my own way and moved to Sydney and moved in with a few blokes and, and a few of them were Christians. Mm-hmm. That's always, always dangerous because <laughs> they were real nice blokes and they invite you along to church and they do good stuff. With and, uh, <laughs> So I moved in with a bunch of Christians, started coming along to music college. Uh, we did join the band. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. But then really uh, there was like a few things that kind of all came together at one point. Like I was like nearly hit by a bus. I always thought, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll further down the line, I'll think more about this Jesus stuff. Um, but don't need to really need to worry about it now. Mm. And then started getting invited along to church by these these guys, just getting to, to know Christians and, and stuff like that. And realized that I actually had to make the choice now, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if this if Jesus was a real historical person and he said all this stuff and you know, Jesus says a lot of stuff about judgment and hell. And, and if if that's right, then I really shouldn't put this off, mm. this, this going through this in my mind. Yeah. And so worked it through and took a few months. And there was also this bloke I used to post on like a heavy metal forum. Mm. Uh, it was back in the days like. All I lived, breathed, ate, drank was Opeth. <laughs> I remember I that very well. Like, yeah, man. If the song wasn't in three four, I didn't want to listen to it. It was. Uh, <laughs> I was getting the Opeth. Going to get the Opeth O tattooed on my back. <laughs> um, yeah, poor old Opeth. I don't know. I don't know where they're going these days. But uh, <laughs> they're I, going um, back to the seventies, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Seventies are done already. And I was posting on there, and this this guy kept coming on, and it was kind of pre-Richard Dawkins days, and so there weren't like not too many people were um, really taking, like really getting into to atheism or agnosticism in a, in a way that, that that you see these days. I think sure. uh, it wasn't one was, wasn't as it wasn't people didn't feel as free to call themselves atheists or agnostics in those days. Sure. This guy was out and out, like every post that he'd make would be something a huge essay. And I found that I was reading it and starting to defend Christians. And when you start doing that, you you know you're in a bit of danger because <laughs> like, wait, no, I'm arguing for these guys. But I got to about got about six months in and just realised that I had to take it seriously. Mm. And so I decided that I'd 
I'd start following Jesus. I don't know what didn't really exactly know what that meant for me at the time. Mm-hmm. I still don't really like it. It's just one day after the other, calling yourself a Christian, following Jesus, asking God to help you. And I think ultimately that was that was kind of a big change there where that came about that first first year down in Sydney. Yeah, right. That kind of sprung a lot of a lot of different discussions, like talking about. Um, chatting with one fella, he was he was just like, oh no, that, that'll mean you don't want to talk with me anymore. That's it. We're, it's all done now. Mm. And uh, and you just want to hang out with Christians. And I was like, no, I want to hang out with you guys too. And, and yeah, so it was a real struggle there. Like it's a because you've got kind of there was a point where I was like, oh, I got my church and my Christian friends, mm. and I got my college friends. Yeah. Well, what happens here? Only I just kind of gave up on it. Got married and moved down to the country. <laughs> <laughs> but um. But you were kind yeah. of torn for a while. It, yeah, it yeah, like. and, it, and it's it's a hard thing because there's this there's this cultural clash, and it kind of touches on what we're talking about in the post where. Christians find it difficult and people find it difficult to live with Christians and Christians find it difficult to live with non-Christians mm. in a way that, that I didn't see that there was a struggle there for Jesus. Uh, Jesus had a, had a way, if you, you read the Gospels in the Bible, of he had a way of living among non-Christians, which was there wasn't this cultural clash. Jesus' cultural clash was with the religious people. Mm. Uh, it was it was with the people who, who thought they had it all sorted out, who thought they were righteous because of all the stuff that they'd done. Uh, when really he, he was hanging out with the prostitutes and the, and the sinners and the, and the tax collectors, all these outcasts. Yeah, so that really kind of sparked a lot of thinking for me. Like, is, do Christians do themselves favours when we become very insular and very us versus them? Hmm. Uh, and that's pushed my, um, pushed my thinking. So I think there's, there's a real distinction between Christians and non-Christians in terms of spiritual things. Hmm. But in terms of cultural things... Uh, we need to be actually engaged and, and and loving people where they're at rather than expecting them to behave before they believe. Well, that kind of brings us into uh, why we wanted to have you on the podcast. Uh, this episode in particular, because uh, we're both metalheads and uh, this this podcast is about metal. So mm. uh, yeah. what would you say Christianity's views on metal are? And with that in mind, what are your personal uh, views on metal? Yeah, sure. So it's hard to kind of summarize the, the whole of Christian thought, if, if you will. Like there's, of course, there's a of course. variety, of course. <laughs> yeah. uh, in terms of cultural things, biblic- like I, all I want to do is kind of, from a Christian perspective, I want to reflect what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. And, I, and the Bible doesn't actually say that there is a a specific kind of music that is worse than any other kind of music. There's no specific kind of painting that's any worse than any other kind of painting, any kind of art that's worse than anything else. When there has been a reaction against things like metal, it's, I think it's come from a place that isn't informed by the Bible. I think it's informed more by that cultural clash uh, where people see something, like I said in in the post, that's, that's subversive to society. And, And to be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like metal's that subversive to society anymore. <laughs> yeah. um, the, the, uh, and I think, a lot, to be honest, a, a lot of things in metal are actually in tune and in keeping with uh, what things that I hold really true and dear as a Christian. Mm. Um, I'll get into that a bit later if you want. <laughs> uh, but I think if people have reacted against metal because they've assumed that society in general uh, is is Christian, and you hear that in a lot of Christian uh, the ways Christians speak about society. It's you know this is a Christian country, 
and and uh, if you read the Bible, there's there's no con- conception of a Christian country. A, a Christian is a person who has made the 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 decision and the life changing the, the life changing decision to to turn away from sin, the way that they're ignoring God, and to follow Jesus. A country can't do that unless each individual person in the country does, which I don't think is going to happen for Australia anytime soon. And we've had this situation where, in general, society has has followed Christian teachings in terms of, of morality, even though we've, yeah, I don't, don't think we have 100%. Um, <laughs> but in, in history, we've, we've generally had a, a con- concept of people as valuable because they're, they're made in God's image. There's something special about them because they're, they're made by God. Uh, we should be um, giving up on ourselves to love others and to give for others. Uh, we should be looking out for people who are in vulnerable or dangerous situations and we should be training our family and loving our families to, to be good members of society. And I think these are all things that kind of are in line with, with what the Bible teaches. And so people have seen them. Well, we must be a Christian country. You know, we, we do the Lord's Prayer before Parliament. We must be, we must be a Christian country. And, and so then anything that subverts society then is an attempt to subvert humanity. I mean, so if, if you say, well, I don't know, I know where Martin's at, um, <laughs> Politically speaking, but if I say, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm more of a libertarian. I'm like, do whatever you want as long as you don't expect me to pay for it. I'm cool. <laughs> um, but you know, if you say, for instance, you're in favour of open immigration, mm. uh, that's generally seen by conservative parts of society subversive to society because what we have is a very uh, if we don't have open immigration, then we have um, have very stringent controls on who comes into our country and the way that our countries run. Right. That subverts society in, in the mind of someone who's more conservative on immigration. Uh, and so if a Christian is more conservative on immigration and the idea that society and Christianity, are, you know, society is a Christian thing, then you're coming in, you're subverting Christianity. You don't want to, God to rule over this country in a way. Right. And so metal or was cast in the background of, of, of being against society. We, we don't like the way things are and we want to overturn the way things are. Mm. And and for a lot of Christians, that's scary mm. because we've tied together culture and and Christianity, and that's something I think particularly particularly metal. Also, some some hip hop uh, and and other areas like that where where Christians have really reacted against reacted against it, and quite poorly, I think. I think a much better approach is to see all expressions of culture, like metal or like on a D and D, but. I, <laughs> uh, as an expression of culture, and mm. there's going to be ways to, to use it poorly, and there's going to be ways to use it really well. Um, and, and Christians need to, to grab hold of those expressions of culture and use them well, mm. uh, instead of just rejecting them and saying, well, no, that's, that's satanic. He's not as overt as, as, as metal. <laughs> 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 he's, 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 like the Bible says, you know, the devil's going to come dressed as an angel of light, and that's not what metal is. Metal's not about angels of light. <laughs> you know, he's, the devil's subversive. He's he's antagonistic to Christians. Uh, the Bible says, in ways that are going to be attractive to them rather than unattractive to them. Hmm. That makes sense. But I mean, so look, personally, Gary and I are individually strong atheist and agnostic, and I'd say a lot of uh, the majority of metalheads probably aren't 
religious. Uh, They're either a mix or, you know, sort of not strong one way or the other. Or, of course, there's things like Asatru now and other stuff like that that people are embracing. But uh, how does the church view people like us, metalheads? I mean, like, obviously there are strong views, as as you were just saying, um, that, you know, being against society is threatening. Um, Mm. But is it kind of uh, maybe seen more as being damned or being you know, quite literally, say, possessed or evil, or is it more a thing of people not finding their way, uh, that they can still be embraced? Where where does the church kind of come in with that? Yep, so, the, so there's two things there. So first, in, in terms of how the church views metalheads in general, mm. I, I think on a spectrum between confusion and ignorance. <laughs> so, um, they got our number. I, I think... But... <laughs> like, so the a large a large amount of people who are involved in kind of day to day ministry, especially out where I am, mm. very few metalheads out here out in Galgong. You know, it's the old joke. We've got both kinds of music, country and western. <laughs> um, I, I know the the few metal people who are into into metal. I know are into the kind of five finger death punch. Oh, jeez. Kind of other, yeah stuff stuff that you you and I would go oh, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> um, and. So there's no, in, in my experience, there's not really that many many dudes in the church who are actually interested or, or knowledgeable about metal enough to even kind of connect to, to metalheads in, like to have a discussion like we'd have, like we'd talk about the new Miss Sugar album or whatever. Sure. That, that kind of stuff would be um, kind of out of the grasp of a lot of, a lot of people within the church. And then from, so from moving from that kind of confusion, what the heck is a metalhead, to, to, to just downright ignorance, just not actually knowing you guys um, not knowing really that, that there is this kind of metal scene and sure, it just, exists. And, just not having uh, the exposure to, to yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And and so there's that kind of, so the general church attitude towards that cultural area in particular. Uh, then in general, in terms of in terms of kind of how we view view guys, well, I'm, I'm hoping and, and I'll tell you, from my perspective, I view you guys in the same way I view anyone else. You guys haven't, you guys haven't put your faith in Jesus, and so for me, my great wish is for for everyone to do that, no matter what background they come from, whether they're into metal or into J-pop or K-pop or, or anything like that. Even because, K-pop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I know some of those guys, and yeah, I mean, what the heck? <laughs> um, it's because the Bible does say that, that those people who don't put their faith in Jesus will be condemned for their sin. Mm. And and that's a really serious thing. Sorry. And, and it, so, is, sorry. Is that the same for people of uh, different uh, religious denominations as well? Uh, like as in Christian denominations? Uh, sorry, like a, Non-Christian. S- say Jewish or Muslim or um, Buddhist or... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it would be. So um, the Bible says that, that there's there's one name that um, people by which God's given that people can be saved, and that's Jesus. And and so it's my like I, I, I'm I'm convinced from what the Bible says that that's that that's the case that that they need to to turn to Jesus. And so that's why I'm a minister, and that's why I'm teaching people about Jesus, so they can t- teach people about Jesus. Uh, and so it's part of being a Christian is this struggle of wanting to tell you guys this stuff and, and to convince you of it, but also wanting you guys to know that 
you know, you are loved and valued and because of the fact that you're made in God's image. And that's, so when I say that, it's not me coming to you and saying, well, you guys are as evil as you could possibly be. You're <laughs> just, I, we try. I can't stand you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's to say, you know, I, I want to lovingly point you to, to the person who saved me. But, uh, I'm no better than you. And, and in saying that I've been saved by Jesus is not saying that I'm any more morally superior to you than I am to freaking Hitler or whatever. You know, I, I, um, so you can respect people and you can still differ with them on this and, and be very serious about it. And I think that's, that's where Christians have tripped up, where we have said we've been frustrated by people refusing to believe. And we've allowed that frustration to express itself really poorly in, in anger and in outbursts. And, and you don't you don't attract people to Jesus by telling them to behave themselves or what a what an ugly person they are. You know, you 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 you've just got to live it. And that's that's the whole point of what Jesus came to do. And his whole teaching is live this so that people see it and actually see it. it's it's good and it's beautiful uh, and it's and it's worthwhile. That's kind of it. Yeah. So that's kind of like uh, how the church would see someone like me who is, for example, an atheist or just metalheads in general. Uh, getting more specific, this podcast episode has been about, you know, we've had a little bit of the existential quandary uh, and a little bit of self-doubt. Uh, we've been running the Deaf Talk But Metal Club for a while where we have a lot of different uh, kind of metal bands on different kinds of performances, DJs, all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're just not sure how to go forward with it or whether we should go forward with it or, uh, or um, you know, whether we should quit and put our energies elsewhere. So with all this in mind and with ministers often being dispensers of advice, uh, what would be your advice to us about being involved in the stream metal scene and being conduits for bands that often broach subjects that people might see as blasphemous? Yeah, that's a good question. I reckon the more that you guys do to express your calling in terms of, uh, you know, what, what you're passionate about, if this is what you're passionate about and go for it. Oh, one of the best things about reading the Bible is actually that it gives you a really good view of it gives you a really bad view of human nature, but also gives you a really good view of human nature. It's like these two polar opposites where, you know, we are we are we have fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says. We're sinners. But it also says that in, in culture there's expressions of of God's goodness. We can we can look at beautiful things in culture and and go, Wow, that's you know, that that shows us something awesome about God. Like when I, I listen to metal and, you know, you guys heard the latest Insomnium album? You probably have. Yes. Yeah, it's we, really like, good. We played yeah. a track on the uh, podcast, it? actually. It's Man. amazing. And, and so I put that on in the car, and I just pound it up, and I go, how awesome is this music? How awesome are the guys who made it? And how awesome is the God who, who created a world where such beautiful things can be made? And and so, like, I'd, I'd encourage you guys to do that. I Like, the ministerially speaking, and like, it's... My job, as I said before, is, is to point people to Jesus and to say, go and read about Jesus. And I recommend you guys go read that, but go go for it. Like metal is, like, I love it as an expression of, of beauty. And it, a lot of people hear it and they go, what the heck? That's not, that's not beautiful. But it is. It's, it's 
amazing and it, and it really reflects something amazing about God that, that there's this powerful beauty to be found in, in expressions of human culture mm. that, uh, that you won't find elsewhere. Sorry, so we're not going to hell? <laughs> for for well, being involved. <laughs> uh, so Bible says, if if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, then then that is the case. That 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 hell and I don't hell is people think of hell as this place where there's this like devil and demons with pitchforks and the devil's ruling and everyone's kind of getting poked for eternity. And that's really unhelpful. Uh, the Bible ex- expresses hell as this place of fire. I don't think it's talking about a literal fire. I think it's talking about being exposed to God without someone between you and him. So if you're a, if you're a moth, right, and you're attracted to a flame, what happens? You get burnt up. When we as human beings who are fallen by nature, um, and, and that's where I, I think metal has a lot to say about human nature, um, you, you, listen, you read some Nevermore lyrics, you read, um, you know, you read some of that stuff. Some Trouble. You... Sorry? <laughs> some Trouble, the awesome doom metal band, Trouble. They sing a lot about that. Yeah. You should check them out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I will. I will. I'll write that down. Um, they really express kind of kind of this hopelessness about human nature. And, and I think that's that there's this, without God doing something to save us, that hopelessness is right, and that's and that's what the Bible says God's done. He's the whole story of the Bible is God reaching out and doing something about sin and death. And if we haven't, if if, if I haven't, if, if you guys haven't received that, if we haven't kind of gone, you know, taken this seriously, then being exposed to God without Jesus between us is is what the Bible calls hell, which is not a place where people want to be. Hmm. Um, and that's why that's why I tell people that. About Jesus all the time, um, because I honestly don't want people to be exposed to God without without Jesus. That's a very interesting interpretation that I haven't heard before. So, okay. well, cool. if you want to read more, <laughs> um, and I always recommend that people read the Bible, no matter where you, you read, as long as you're putting it in its context, it's worthwhile. A lot of people are very kind of ignorant of the Bible, and they find out that the Bible says something, and they go, "Oh my goodness, the Bible says that." without actually going to where it actually says it and reading it in its context. Uh, then, uh, I don't I don't think you could be an atheist without having read the Bible. Like you can't be against something or you can't not believe in something without having read it first, without yeah. ha- knowing what it's about first. Yeah, that's right. Like like um Yeah, there's so I, many. <laughs> yeah, and and on the same on this on on my side like so many Christians who'd refuse to read something like Richard Dawkins, mm. who, uh, who, who'd say, oh, no, that's, you know, that's not worth my time. Or, and really, like, this is, this is stuff that's, that you're going to, if you're going to be telling people about Jesus and you want to you encourage them to think seriously about him, then you need to think seriously about where they're coming from too. Yeah, if, you, if you're going to say that Christopher Hitchens is burning in hell right now, you have to read uh, his books to understand <laughs> it. Yeah. Oh, have you guys seen, there's a DVD made with him, um, Christopher Hitchens and Doug Wilson did a, uh, a debate tour of the, the U.S. And uh, so he's a Protestant minister, for, Presbyterian minister from the States. And it's, it's this DVD series called Collision. And they, they travel around and just debate. 
and it's awesome because you get this kind of background as well where Christopher Hitchens and Doug Wilson are sitting down talking about books and literature and mm. it's, it's sweet like and I, I found it really good because they managed to do it with respect and mm. not kind of in each other's faces and yeah. even though the DVD is like it's collision you know it's just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. It's all these kind of metal riffs going on in the background <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it, it actually do it there's, there's these two kind of really geeky blokes talking about pg roadhouse and stuff <laughs> yeah that's awesome. yeah hitch was great like that uh, he he'd always he always had respect for uh yeah. religious people as long as they had respect back you know it was just mm. kind of a, and, a and really mutual thing whilst calling it a, a load of crap you know you can you can say <laughs> i think that what you believe is absolutely detrimental to human nature but I, i'll respect it and i'll engage with it and treat you like a human being yeah, that's that's and that's. I really love that. I, I loved his upfrontness. You know, to is that kind of not, is that kind of what you're doing now? I just want to encourage more of this. I think, um, like, as soon as you guys said, "Come on," I was like, "Sweet!" Oh, that's it, man. Opportunity to to just have just straight up conversation. Yeah, is, some cross cultural awesome. pollination. I think. Yeah. So you know, the, yeah. the guys listening at home, you know, they can listen to this. They can check out these books, and maybe uh, you know, next Sunday you can blast some Dio while everyone walks in. And... <laughs> Dio does mean God, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't think there's enough of this kind of thing, especially with social media and everyone being in their little tight knit bubbles uh, where they only kind of surround themselves with opinions that they agree with. There's not enough I conversation. The other day, yeah, I'm following a few people who irritated me. I'm like, oh wait. I'm creating an echo chamber. Well, remember, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's healthy to have that. And then sometimes you're just surrounded by assholes. So. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> the, you know, there's people that are just worth the unfollow. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe don't follow my Facebook page too closely. Uh, <laughs> well, man, no, I'm, I'm stalking you. <laughs> well, Vaughn, thank you so much for your time. This has been uh, great to have a discussion and uh, we've learned some interesting things here and uh, uh, it's good to get a uh, because we've had so many different points of view uh, on the podcast. We haven't had something like this yet. Um, so it was great hearing for you. Uh, from you oh, it's been, oh, it's been awesome you? hanging out it's good to good to chat with fellow metalheads yeah don't like teeny <laughs> <laughs> and look even though we do have big differences in opinion on a lot of things we can all agree that five finger death punch are terrible i as was well, just so. about to say well thanks for joining us john uh thanks for joining us vaughn and uh keep listening uh hopefully hopefully we'll have a chat again sometime legend take care of yourself Cheers. Man. see ya see ya see ya
were just listening to Rust there with the song Desolate Flames from the most recent album, uh, Raw Shredding Death. Uh, I love those guys. It's just pretty fucking fun. So we've reached the end of episode 12 of the Death Talk About Metal podcast. It only took us however many fucking hours however many hours however many uh fuck arounds with uh however many bottles of alcohol (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) only two new kidneys and (laughs) and a whole year of experience obviously this is kind of the summary to to the end of the the first one for us together which is pretty cool yeah so with this episode a lot happened uh as you heard uh we had a lot of cool interviews a lot of cool experiences came out of making this podcast episode mm. i guess it just leaves us to take all this uh information that has been given to us and all this advice and all these helpful tips everything and just uh see what we walked away with so tane did you want to talk about your takeaways from uh from the experience that was episode 12 it's um it's been a lot to take in and it's kind of i'm glad that we've had this is sort of for the listeners this has been maybe just over two weeks worth of sort of hard work and experience uh and in that time we've you know we fit in uh, many you know, hours yeah many many hours so it's been long and it's been grueling but it's kind of a bit of a microcosm of, of what at least what my experience has been of doing death tour but metal anyway where it's you know you're not doing it for money you're not doing it for fame you do it because you love it and everyone we've talked to who's been in the industry so you know um, Chris Merrick and uh of course dave balfour Mm -hmm. in particular also david sinclair smith they all do it for the love and even though sometimes you know we don't get say people through the door at the club or we can't get the bands that we want or you know there's a lot of rejection but you still love it and we're you know we've been sitting here now still laughing and you know picking the music for for the end of the show and still going like fuck this is awesome so you know i'm taking that away it's and also one big overarching thing is community which is everyone has said it you know it's you know you look out for each other you keep doing it and you get stronger and that's been really cool yeah i i agree with everything that you you said i i think it's funny how you said that uh doing this episode is like a microcosm of uh, the Death Tour by Metal experience for us because it's so true. I mean, I I organized a lot of the interviews and stuff. And uh, when it comes to the club, I organized the bands and stuff. And um, it's very much like that. It was very much a lot of uh, success and a lot of cool people and, um, and dealing with with um uh different uh requirements and stuff like that which is just like working with bands uh but there was a bit of rejection i mean this episode in particular uh there was so much more that uh i came up with for this that we haven't been able to pull off uh Mm. but we might do stuff like that in a later episode yeah i don't think we want to rule out some of the ideas 
especially that you uh, towards the end. Yeah, but... I don't. I don't want to give them away. No, but, no, uh, no. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's more. There's more in store. We're we're not finished with the podcast, at least. Yeah. But I think overall, the, the point of this was: should we keep going with Deftor but Metal as a club? And every every interview was very positive towards us keeping going. Mm. There was a lot of good r- advice. Chris Marrick said to be organized. And I think and he had ways uh, that he was organized when he was starting out. And I think that's really um, good advice. Yeah. Dave Balfour said that the scene could do without him could probably keep going without him but uh <laughs> he couldn't keep going without the, the the metal crowd so that was really inspiring for me uh sarah psychic sarah said that um it seems like it would be a waste to just throw away this thing that we've put so much effort into making mm. david sinclair smith said that um said to his advice was to not uh oversaturate and so maybe pull back a bit and i think that's advice that i i definitely want to uh take on board take on board i think dave uh balfour also mentioned that yeah well. yeah i i don't i don't remember if he mentioned it in the actual interview but it might we, have been after we did a lot of talking and uh yeah, he had a lot of good stuff to to say. Uh, Vaughn Smith, who we, we just heard from, uh, said, uh, you know, if you're passionate about this uh, thing, you should follow your passions and pursue it, even though... He also said we're going to hell. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But, you know... Hey, if hell's made up of people like us, I'd rather be there than anywhere else, you know? Yeah, at least the music will be good. Yeah. Um... I look. I I don't believe in it. So, I mean, I guess things can exist whether you believe in it or not. Yeah, I, like Queensland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, like the Earth can still be round even if you're a flat Earth society um, loony. The the way I see it is that if you have good intentions, I don't I don't think following some archaic Iron Age rule book is gonna change what's coming to you you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely the other thing that was just sort of uh, a bit of an overarching theme i found you know think think about when you were mentioning psychic sarah yeah is that change is definitely going to be part of what we end up doing especially in the coming year definitely with the club i think um don't worry we'll still we'll still be doing it but it's it's going to be a little bit different I think yeah we're we're probably not gonna do it as a monthly thing anymore mm. uh there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that I have to deal with uh that I'm just a bit tired of. I love putting on shows, I love it when we're actually at the show and people show up and they're having a good time, but I found whilst making this podcast that I could be fulfilled uh, in the same way doing the podcast organizing interesting interviews or or location things or just trying new stuff so i think in in the spirit of not oversaturating um the metal scene with what we do we'll maybe just kind of put on bands when we feel like it and 
maybe look into other avenues, other other ways of getting uh, metal out there to people. Yeah. That isn't going to drive me fucking insane. Well, I mean, there are still things that definitely drive you insane and even me just slightly by proxy uh, that we've done in the last year, which I think are really cool achievements like doing black arts as well was a great thing you know um yeah black arts kind of just came together so easily and it was inspiring for me because i just felt like well we can do anything yeah uh which is a good kind of feeling to have because it helps you get through the more difficult uh times and there have been a few of those but Look, ultimately for me, Death Toll About Metal has been a positive experience. Sure, there's been a few kind of obstacles in our path, but I think we've rolled with the punches pretty well. Yeah. And, um, Especially when it's a learning experience for both of us uh, in so many ways, you know? Totally. I mean, in the first year, we're not going to be the biggest thing on the block it uh, comes with experience and yeah and we kind of don't want to be I, th- I think it's not about being the biggest thing out there i think it's just being accepted yeah more. doing something meaningful that helps maybe seeing some of the same support that we put out there with people and for the most part that's been true but you know you still get those one or two people who i don't know whether they're threatened by something new or uh they're just insecure with where they're at at the moment and so uh having us kind of drunkenly uh ramble onto the scene kind of shook them a little bit but um we're we're here for the same reasons hopefully they are and we've all got the same aim yeah and uh you know when we were talking to Dave Sinclair Smith and we were talking about what the Satanic Bible says about your enemies, he, he I think he, he quoted something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing, so I'm sorry if I get this wrong. Uh, if if your enemy slaps uh, one your one cheek, you um, smash them in the other or something like that. And I, th- I think that maybe like I, I try to I want to try to kind of understand people's motivations a bit more rather than just reacting yeah I think there's been a lot of that over the years that um and unfortunately there I mean look there are so many fucking amazing and wonderful and talented and kind supportive people in the scene but every now and then you run into queen bee of high school uh, wearing a battle jacket with, you know, a, a beard and bad attitude. Sure, or, or you know, or you get the psychic vampires that um that Dave Sinclair Smith was talking that about. That was a really, really interesting, resonant point that yeah. he made, I think, regarding that. But I'm trying to understand. I think I think if, I, if we focus our energies more on the people who... S- uh, genuinely nice and cool like your Dave Balfours your Mike Ryans your Reavers your Chris Marricks yeah you, you know any, anyone in the scene that is doing cool stuff then I think that'll just carry on into what we do as well you know yeah totally uh, anything else you wanted to say before we wrap it all up um I'd just like to thank 
all of our listeners and all of the people who come along to the club in the last year and even the people who haven't been able to make it you know we're at that point in life where people are getting married moving away having kids and so many of you are still supportive you know uh it's really appreciated so thank you all and also thank you very much maz for keeping me going and keeping us going you always help out behind the scenes and of course to nat as well yes thanks nat but uh and smithy of course and smithy the the inner circle of the uh uh any west weed inner westy weedian uh black metal scene <laughs> sure and also greg and the valve for just giving us a chance to do this yeah thank you greg it's um it's been cool and you but yeah all of you guys look we're, we're not we're not going anywhere. We're still going to be doing shit. It might not be the club, but hey, that's not going to affect a whole lot of you because hardly anyone shows up to all of them. Yeah, totally. Uh, there are a few. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we'll still be doing stuff. There's still be We'll still be sharing metal. Uh, we'll still be here. We're not going to be held down by um, people, naysayers or anything. Uh, because we fucking love what we do. We love metal. We also love change and embracing change and trying new things. And I think there's a lot more new stuff like this episode that we, that we put together somehow, uh, coming in the future. So stay tuned. Yes. Thanks for listening guys. Thank you so much guys. Uh, you'll hear from us soon. Bye.